much as well Love to drink that water Parallel worlds when the sun goes down The atmosphere grows hotter She's got a mango you got to hear some great Bruce Cockburn. Yes. You know, yes. Mango. Where's, where is Mango tonight? <laughs> I don't want to know. We, well, you never know. But there's That's a lot correct. of folks joining. I see Ellie and Anna, Brenda, Floor, Black Lab Lady. Hey, Yay. Brenda. Brenda saying, hey, y'all. And we're all there. Thank God for that. Yay! <laughs> you worked your magic, Pam. I worked my magic, and especially when it was when we're in Mercury retrograde, when everything goes to all hell in the handbasket. <laughs> yes. You know, all the mango songs, you know, we should just, like, get, like, a mango smoothie or a mango something. I don't know. Like a I know. Oh, listen, I'll, I'll take you. I'll send you all down to my uh, granddaughter's grandparents in Colombia. They have mangoes growing in their backyard. Oh. Send me now. I'm ready. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got my passport. <laughs> Take I mean, me yeah, away, I'm, girl. My right passport's good. It's the airfare that I can't deal with right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Anna's saying good evening. Welcome to the rainstorm in Western Pennsylvania. Oh, you missed oh, Anna. You missed ours a little bit ago. About uh, two hours ago, we had a great downpour. <laughs> Go and mango mania in Miami. Flora says mm-hmm. yes, lots of mango down there, <laughs> and there's a great dance nightclub in Miami Beach called Mangoes. Oh, oh really? Have you really? been there, Flora? I'm curious. It's a lot of fun, actually. I'll put the. My friend used to <laughs> go dancing there till all hours of the morning. <laughs> yeah, we need to go. We need to go there. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, Mango's Tropical Cafe, South Beach. I'm I'm putting in the website so you can check it out. That's Very always cool. good. That's always good. There you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of mangoes. Yep, Flora said, I've been so much fun. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Yes. <And laughs> Elena saying, your downpour has just arrived in Maine. Heavy rain right now. Well, there's storms coming up the coast, and Floor, I hope you and everyone 
in uh, South Florida will do well. I know there's rain expected to come up with the tropical storm. I yeah, there's a lot. Hermione. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and no, again, no, the, the one Puerto coming Rico in is Ian. Hit. The one coming into Florida is Ian. Oh, is it Ian? I thought they yeah. said Hermione. No, I think we're past mm. ages now. Oh, there's too many of them. They're coming fast and furious. These days mm-hmm. they do. These days and they I, do. I see Cheryl and Alex is on. So glad to see you both. We are well, celebrating know, with Perling and Betty. The professor is mine right as long as he gets to be indoors with his beloved. <laughs> well, that's always good. That is always good for him. So also, um, uh, and I think for her too. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, it is the first night of Rosh Hashanah, so I want want to wish everybody a, a Shana Tova, and I hope that your name is in the life. Was it the life record? That is sweet. So, thank you, Pam. Mm-hmm. Have you gone over to Phil's? That's tomorrow night. That's tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. Very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. And uh, Deanna just joined us. Hello. Hola. Hi. Hola. (laughs) (laughs) And Ellie says, 97 degrees in California would love the rain. And And yes, we're always prepared down here. Ian is coming for the West Coast, but we're in the cone. (laughs) And Brenda's saying just five more weeks because Brenda in New Orleans knows hurricanes as well. Five more weeks of hurricane season. Let the countdown begin. Mm-hmm. And hopefully oh. there will be no more major storms. And hopefully, Amen, and hopefully it won't be like uh, Superstorm Standy that came nope. up as a hurricane and just became extra tropical. Yes. yes. Hoping everyone will be able to stay safe mm-hmm. yes. in the midst of all Please. the storms. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So we do have Betty and Perling with us. I'm so glad you were able to join, ladies. We're uh, excited about kicking Woo-hoo. off well, thank Gabriel's you for- Redemption. Yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for, for inviting us. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's always fun when you guys are here. So. Oh, oh, absolutely. We, we, we get a lot of, a, a lot of laughter out of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case anyone wants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. doing my my happy dance here. Oh, um, I'm, yes. I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was yes. thing reading this chapter from like back when we were reading it because back mm-hmm. then it was just a dream. Like, oh, if we only had a movie or a show or something, <laughs> and that was the movie. And it's like, oh well, you know, it was different in, in the movie, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you love it, Gabriel. You know, it's fine. We're, yeah. So, yeah. It is that incredible. Is and I have totally. to say, reading this after reading Promise, you know, we we started mm-hmm. Promise, you know, SR had the book coming out and he wanted mm-hmm. he wanted to have um the podcast uh mm-hmm. discussion for Promise and then it, having gone through that and that culmination of the book in chapter sixty four and then, then coming back, yeah, and we're we're taking a look back at, okay, we're we're stepping back in time to, and it's mm. kind of interesting because it's bridging where the movie, and yes. yes, and where mm-hmm. the book that we just finished begins. And Brenda knows as well because Brenda's podcast 
or Brenda's Facebook club, she said, we just finished this in their book club. Mm-hmm. And I know we have Emmer Zooms in the midst of redemption. I think there's a couple other book clubs going. So yes, it's just an exciting time. And I know SR was excited to have discussions of this as Passion Flicks starts to film as well. So it's yes. super, yes. super yes. excited. And I forgot... I'm actually glad you meant uh, SR mentioned this because I, I I did want to mention um, some of the news that you you have listed mm-hmm. here, Pam. So, okay. oh, we have uh, you know we've, the Gables Promise is actually still on sale for dollar ninety nine in the ebook yep. form, and that's supposed to be across any platform. That sale is going to be coming to an end when I um, when I asked SR about when that ending would be. He said he hasn't been told, but it's usually the end of the month. So that's mm. probably sometime in the next in, week. In next week, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, speaking of Brenda, he's going to be joining the Passion Squad book club on Friday, September 30th, and uh, for a chat. So, Brenda, he didn't mention what time, so maybe you can let us know what time that is. That would be yes. great. Yes, that would be great. So we're looking forward to that. All these, all these fun stuff coming through. I know. And, uh, you know, and again, we start a brand new book. And what is the first chapter that comes along? But the ones that I so love to talk about. Sexy time! <laughs> Lots of, you know, when, when there are a couple of lemons in a chapter, I'm the one that has to write it up. <laughs> Pam, embrace it. Go for it. Pam's being shy. <laughs> Don't be shy, Pam. <laughs> and, and we have to share, Brenda, thank you, thank you for putting the time out there. The uh, chat Thanks, with SR on the Passion Squad book club is Friday the 30th of September at 8 p.m. Eastern, so 8 p.m. New York time. That's great. Kick off the weekend right with SR and the Passion Squad. That's exactly oh, it. Nice. So it will be like happy hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, and actually, where Brenda is, it's always happy hour, right, Brenda? Yeah. Hey, where I live, it's always, it's always five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and Elena's saying you're in good company, Pam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, I before am. we get to mm-hmm. that, the spicy chapter, we do have the prologue. We do yeah. that SR so beautifully crafted to begin this next chapter. <laughs> and um, with the prologue, we start with Dante sitting in a chair overlooking his beloved city. The streets called to him. It was a, of a great light. It was as if a great light had been extinguished. Quomodo sedet sola civitas plena popilo. Factes quasi vidia domina gentium. Translated from Latin. How sits a single city full of people? She became, as a widow, the lady of the nations. His eyes reread the lamentation. The lamentation. The words were from Jeremiah. Beatrice, he whispered. Even two years after her loss, he had pain. It was difficult writing about his loss. She would for, remain forever young. His blessedness and all the poetry in the world could express the loss he felt but he would try for the sake of his love for her. 
So I know that's the way to bring the party down as we start this <laughs> discussion. Well, you know, anytime Dante talks about Come Beatrice, on, Sarah, it's how you doing, we, we were happy. We were happy. <laughs> it was a good but, time until. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> I was just thinking it makes. I like the way he brings everything towards Dante and kind of wraps it in that packaging as he presents the next book because it, it does at the heart of the matter, a lot of this does circle around that, that um, foundational story of that love of Dante and Beatrice. So mm -hmm. I think that was kind of beautiful. What were you going to say, Betty? Well, I was going to say that when I read this part the first time, it was just right after John Morgan passed away. Oh, my mm. gosh. So yes. Listening to that and reading it for the first time, it really mm. brought tears to me. It's on my eyes. And I was like, oh, my God, I can totally understand how Dante feels because that feeling of losing someone and how yes. the world just keeps going life keeps going but you're still you know you know what pain you're feeling and it's just you by yourself mm -hmm. and no one else cares you know it mm -hmm. I understood that so I was like oh my god I get it you know absolutely so mm -hmm. I'm very touching reading and listening to that to that uh, yes. special and I think, too, we were talking before we joined, um, before we went on air about the fact that Betty and I both had listened. I, I was traveling for work this week. It's been quite quite the week. I was in four different hotels in four nights. Um, so I was traveling for work and I didn't bring my reader. So I didn't have my my book, but I listened to the chapter with John um, and his beautiful, his beautiful portrayal of the characters in the story. And so as you said that, Betty, I could just feel it because mm -hmm. I can't imagine reading about his loss mm -hmm. as you were listening to the book. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah that, that really is, powerful stuff. Yeah, that is, it is. And mm -hmm. I, I know that when I, be, uh, when we were getting into the headspace of, uh, going into this book again for me I mean this is I think maybe the third or fourth time I've read this particular book mm -hmm. and just I started listening to it on on audible and hearing John Morgan's voice with his the way he pronounced everything and the way he spoke mm -hmm. it just it was, mm -hmm. it was a, you know. he was perfect he was he yeah. was so. And I think I think he was perfect for for the story. Even even the story, it was like, a, oh my god, it's the perfect voice for the perfect <laughs> story. Mm -hmm. It's true. It's true. Absolutely. So. I mean, we like you, Dean <laughs> Robertson. We do. We do. Robertson <laughs> Dean. Yes, we do. But he was our first. Exactly. <laughs> He was my first male narrator, and he made it was uh, on me so memorable. Yes, I mean there are a few times when I did giggle. I'm like, Julia sounds so funny, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> oh my god, the professor, the way he growled and everything. Uh, and yeah. oh, mm -hmm. my god, yes. I love. You know, it. I, I I enjoyed a lot when when Morgan read uh, Gabriel Mad. It was like yes. something like, yes, yes, he's mad. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. 
And then to bring it further into the future, when you sit there and you listen to Julio speak the words. Yes. I, it just all fits. Yeah. And as and as Ellie said, both did a great job. But yes, John was so very special as the one to go first, mm-hmm. just like all the firsts in the Gabriel series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. Yes, Including our first podcasters. Yes, that's Aww, true. Yeah, Perling. <laughs> Yay! Aww, thank you. Did men both love with Paul's voice right away, or was it like? Eh. Oh, <laughs> because the first time John read Paul's line, and it wasn't even like a big line. Just that, and I was like, oh, "Who is this?" You know, um, I just fell in love with the way he interpreted Paul. Uh, <laughs> Betty, Betty, no offense, but you would fall in love with anything related to Paul, no matter who. <laughs> you know her. You know her. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, I am uh, uh, one of of the best. A part of the story in an inferno was for me. Okay, I'm talking about me. Um, is the 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 discussion between Gabriel and Julia after the 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 lecture in in his office? And it was he, I, I remember that he was uh, Gabriel was very 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 mad at the moment and listen to to Morgan reading that scene it was like oh my god it was totally into it oh yeah i was was feeling everything and i said i i think i like that scene but i think uh morgan made it more special for me well i think (laughs) i think i think the the authoritarian tone to his miss mitchell Uh, yeah yeah, that was like very profound yeah Yes. Yeah. I mean, what, what about John Gabriel? I mean, God, he is so funny. Even though, you know, we're supposed to be a drunk, but he's like, yes, Mitchell. Like, oh my God. Yes. 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 Drunk, drunk Gabriel was awesome. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this is the truth. Ellie's yeah. saying that heading, hearing that voice, it truly felt like SR was reading to me. And then Flora said, I remember reading the series for the first time and then realized it wasn't John anymore and my heart sunk and and then wanted to read anything that John had narrated. And we had that discussion too before the podcast, Flora. Yeah. Welcome to the club, Flora. Yes. Welcome. (laughs) God bless him. He definitely will. So any other thoughts on the prologue, the way it's established? You know, that longing. I have to say, when I if, mm-hmm. if I think back to when I first read it, I was a little worried. Like, I was like, does this is this foreshadowing something bad happening to Julia? Yes. Did anyone I else have that same. thought? Uh-huh. I was worried. I, I was like, I but was as, and then I kept yes. thinking, SR can't do us. SR cannot write that. <laughs> He's not going to destroy yeah. us like that. No, he wouldn't well, do that. I was worried, but then I was thinking, well, there is no happy ending to Dante's story with Beatrice. No, it <laughs> Because she dies at age, like, at 23. Like, he keeps, you know, he lives, but he has to live without her. So there's no way he would be like, well, she's been dead for three years, and I don't miss her at oh all. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. And, 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 not, and it, no, no offense to the first Fifty Shades of Grey, it's not like that elevator closing at the end. 
And you're like, this can't be it. <laughs> okay. There's exactly. more to so, this. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. you know, uh, I was afraid too, as, as Leslie said before, because I said, oh my God, what is going to happen to Julia? <laughs> But then at the end, I I, th I I thought that maybe nothing is going to be wrong with Julia, but maybe there will be like a climax in the story. And, and yes. well, we know that happened uh, at some point in the book. But uh, uh, yes, you can you can think a lot of things with this prologue. <laughs> you say, yes, oh, my God, I know. It's, yes. not, it's, not, it's not a happy prologue. Unless it was like a plot twist, and then Gabriel dies. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> and Paul takes that over. A, that, that was a twist. <laughs> no. no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, yes, Betty wish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Betty is, uh, you know, like alternative universe story. <laughs> <laughs> that can be your fan fiction, Betty. You can write that. <laughs> no, I, like in Betty's mind. Well, I keep thinking, like, what would happen if Paul was granted, like, a wish or something, and he gets to live the life he always wanted, which is married to Julia, would life be what he really wanted it to be? Would he end up disappointed? Ooh. You know, that is a very good point, there because when, you know, when I think of that aspect of the, of, of Betty and, or with Paul and with, <laughs> Julianne and with Gabriel, what would happen if, if Gabriel just, you know, like either died or went out of the story and, and it was Paul, I don't think either one of them would have been happy, to be honest with you. I don't think I so think either. It's so sad because, because I think like he loves her so much, but I don't see them staying together. No, not at all. Married, happy. I think slowly it would just start breaking apart I yeah. think I think they would have stayed together for the sake of staying together because they both had mutual respect and in mm -hmm. platonic love for each other but I don't think that they would have stayed together for a marital love mm -hmm. so. yeah. right I mean because Julia just never felt that towards him no which she did not which was part of the heartbreaking yeah pieces for, of, for of Paul yeah and as far as the prologue is, as you know, it's a way of teasing of what could have what could have happened. I think. Mm -hmm. oh, that's when you, true. When you think about Dante and Beatrice and and how they end it, so. Ooh, yeah. what if this was actually you know Dante's words, but it's in Paul's mind? Like, ah, oh, he's looking at how how he doesn't have <laughs> Julia as his Beatrice. <laughs> This is Paul's lamentation, not Gabriel. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, you know, like like Virgil told me. Yeah. <laughs> because like, Paul does study Dante, so it's not just Gabriel. It could be Paul reading Dante's words and just lamenting the love he lost. Oh my god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Okay. <laughs> Okay. Anyway. Okay. So, I just feel well, my fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Well, fan fiction is good. Yeah, you know, Betty. Yeah. I'm, I'm, know, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm fiction. gonna reverse the, the the narrative as far as Betty. 
Why don't you go into mm-hmm. fan fiction and write that story? <laughs> this is you know, true. We, we have a lot of fan fictions from Gabriel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> well, and Anna, as Anna noted, Paul would spend his life trying to make Julianne love him like she loves Gabriel, and that would be sad for him. Mm-hmm. It would be. So, it would be. I totally agree, Anna. Totally agree. So, as but, we, you know, I think... Uh, Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, go ahead, sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, that I, I uh, deep down, I think Paul is not in love with Julia. Maybe it's he's in love with uh, what I mean. He he wants a woman with Julia's qualities, and maybe well, maybe he's not like a real, real in love with her at the end. Deep down, it's my opinion. Okay, it's my my. my I think that's an interesting perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really do. That is a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Paul was in love with Allison, that that didn't work, and then he met Julia, and maybe he he it could be he could be you know like very confused a little bit. Well, the thing is with Paul and Allison, it never seemed like they didn't stop wanting to be together. They just when they were physically not together they ended up because paul was moving away to grad school well actually so it wasn't they like broke up was... because allison couldn't stand a long distance he was okay with the relationship that's okay that's he was okay who are just fighting right. a the hard they were just fighting right. a lot so again paul got got shoved into the friend zone yes mm-hmm. and then she mm-hmm. went up but another... see paul's feeling for allison wasn't less it was thank you betty it was allison mm-hmm. that pulled pulled that into the friend zone. So mm-hmm. I think you might be, we might have something uh, there, Perling. Mm-hmm. She broke mm-hmm. up with him as Betty, as Brenda noted. Mm-hmm. And Betty. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yes. Shall we start chapter well, one? Shall we? We shall go into chapter one. Treading it um, easily. So they're back in Selins Grove. It's June of 2011. Mango by Bruce Cockburn is playing in the background. And that's kind of like nudging Gabriel into one of his senses of uh, remembering their time in Belize. So and he's looking at Julia like, you know, okay, yeah, mangoes and Belize and Julia. <laughs> <laughs> and I can think of a lot of things I'd like to do. Anyway. So, you know, and there's Gabriel. He's tall, he's athletic, he's rugged, he's got sapphire blue eyes. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby is right. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then he said, you know, he had met her at 17 and he was 10 years older. I mean, right. Well, and this is always, I think SR always does a good job in his subsequent books to establish kind of to catch you up on where you need to be in the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think this is a great example of that. You know, he's establishing yes. who Gabriel is, what their background is. Right. And, and, and he's also talking about the time that they were separated and it was beyond their control. I mean, part of it was the fact that she was only 17 and the other part of it was that, you know, he had his own issues going that he had to take care of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, most of it was, his hedonistic lifestyle. I mean, you know, St. Joe's was her way to possibly get away from him, but 
Mm-hmm. That didn't work out too well with Simon. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but he, but he was like, well, you know, heaven smiled upon us and, and uh, brought us together six years later. And, and then we got married about mm-hmm. a year and a half later. And, and then, you know, and at six months, he knew he loved her more than he had ever loved her. Even mm-hmm. more so than the day before. How so many that, shots did Snarky have to take in order to read that and be like, oh, now I <laughs> I would like to know that. Oh right? <laughs> like, yeah, when do I get to the good stuff? That's right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but, you know, he he, he got memories of the police and going on and he's, uh, and how they made love in all the different places out outdoors on the beach and whatever. And, you know, the, what was what was that movie with Frank Sinatra and and all Burt Lancaster and Deborah Kerr in the beach? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> from here to eternity. Uh, from here to eternity. Oh. Yeah. Uh-huh. If you've never seen that, you guys have to see it. Oh my Absolutely. gosh! Absolutely. the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was about to say like to infinity and beyond. I'm like, wait, that's, not- <laughs> that's, no, that, that, that's a little bit different. Buzz Lightyear. Well, I don't know. With Buzz, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear could take you. I think Gabriel could take you to infinity and beyond. Right. You very cool. possibly without <laughs> moving from where you are. Anyway, um, so get out it, the hankies. Yeah, that's right. It's all <laughs> yes. the lemons. And they'd been in Sellers Grove for about a week, and he was, you know, now he's a professor at Boston University, and she had just finished her first year as a PhD student at Harvard under the supervision of one Catherine Picton, also known as Wonder Woman from a, a future book. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the house in Cambridge, they decided to go to Sellers Grove. The house in, in Cambridge was like all messed up, it was construction. And the, the well, the, the house, Clark House had been renovated, uh, Gabriel to Gabriel's exact specifications. So I can just imagine. I want, <laughs> of course, of course. Could you imagine I, being his contractor? No, uh, absolutely not. You know, after watching the movie in um, Rapture and seeing the house, now I agree. I'm like, yeah, it's a little small. We might need to expand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I I think I think Gabriel from the story should hire the contractors for the set house in Atlanta. But that's my personal opinion. Anyway, yeah. But remember, Gabriel wanted to know first what Julia thought of the house before he started any of renovation. Course, of course, yes. But I'm so, talking yeah. about the renovations itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, haven't seen them yet. But in any. I yeah. can imagine Gabriel with a mahogany study, you know. Yes. Anyway. So, you know, they're, so they're getting ready to, getting everything put in there. And Richard's furniture had been, what it was left over was put in storage. And Julia had been decorating and, and she's decided on paint. And, well, Gabriel, I can imagine Gabriel, not just the dark colors, dark browns and the, woods and what have you and leather but you know like green paint i don't know mm-hmm. how many bachelors you know but any mm-hmm. bachelor that i've ever known at a, a at a certain age it was always greens and browns like forest green very english study yeah. Yeah, that's so funny yeah. because my walls are green i'm like oh there's nothing that- wrong with green walls <laughs> but i had green walls in my old house 
Okay. Well, I was so, thinking darker. I was thinking darker, not like a sage or a lighter. No. Yes. Yeah. He's oh, okay. like, you know, the, the, it's, it's some, it's not bachelor mentality. Browns and greens and tans are always in the, in the mm-hmm. Or blacks anyway, and grays. That is yeah, a lot of blacks and grays too. Well, well, I can imagine Julia being very cottage oriented and she liked mm-hmm. the, the beachy colors, which, hey, you know, the blues and, and whites and the Santorini <laughs> blue and, yeah. Anything that could go like, you know, it could go well on a coastal design as well. I yes. can imagine. Anything like the hotel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, but, absolutely. And she had, she had also hung a lot of the reproductions of the paintings that they had in Cambridge in, in Selin's Grove. You know, mm-hmm. nowadays when Dante meets Beatrice at Ponte Santa Trinita and Primavera, Botticelli's Primavera and Fra Lippi's Madonna and Child with Angels. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that, you know, so she's, she's trying to incorporate what he likes too, I think. Yes. Right. You know, as far as, the, especially the artwork. I mean, not that she doesn't like it, she does. And that's why I think she and Raven would be great friends. Anyway. Right. You know, um, I'm surprised she didn't go with the purples like before, because that was yes. her. The lavender. Uh-huh. Colors and greens. Like, well, maybe I they was, didn't, I maybe they did about in their it. bedroom. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe in their bedroom they did. I mean, that would be a good, uh, a good calming, cool color to sleep in. Well, I think that's the true. Blue, like a good neutral. The blue helps, you know, mm-hmm. it's like purple has blue. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. dark color. So that would be like a good compromise for them. To right. Like, oh, we're going to go with this color. Which mm-hmm. is and it's dark for you, but it's part of purple. Wink, wink. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, and Anna noted that she loves navy and sage together. Modern dusky coastal is how mm-hmm. she put it. So I could see that working too. Yes. Well, as long as it's not anything with little rabbits, I'm sure Gabriel would approve. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't think so. But I can also see, because of the time it was written, I can also see Julia going in for the shabby chic coastal too yes very true very true so she's got the paintings and and it showed but you know gabriel stared stared at all these paintings and he showed the progression of their relationship you know from yeah i like this reflection i like this reflection mm -hmm, period that he wrote about meeting Mm -hmm. at the ponte santa trinida and they're you know going to uffizi and seeing these paintings and and the Madonna and Child, which is what he's hoping for, kind of. <laughs> that was the part where I was like, what? They <laughs> 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 say, I mean, we said in the future, like mm-hmm. 10 years from now, mm-hmm. you're thinking way too soon, Gabriel. But okay, yeah, sure, sure. So yeah. that, that was their, you know, that, it, it, to him it reflected their first meeting, his obsession, mm-hmm. uh, the second Cupid's arrow striking Julia, and the third of what Gabriel hoped would be. Right, the past, present, and future. Yep. I thought that was a really neat way to weave it in. And again, you know, this was such a an establishing chapter, right? It's it's kind of bringing you in. If you haven't read the prior books and you still want to read this one without reading the first two, mm-hmm. they could someone could pick it up and kind of get an understanding yes. um, based on what he did. If, if you think about yes. it, or shadow. Mm-hmm. Yes. With primavera, completely. <gasps> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and they have so, no. 
So and, Anne is saying that Gabriel is definitely not shabby chic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is true. <laughs> I could see Julia. That probably would have been compromised uh, away, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Yep, so, yep, yep. so it was uh, the third evening of Julia writing at her desk, preparing for her per- first public lecture. And you can imagine this. And of course, now, since we know this is going to be put to film, I can visualize this so beautifully. I can see her very, very intently writing at the desk. And for Gabriel, you know, this is the third night of her just working, working, working. He is like Mm -hmm. done with that. Mm -hmm. You know, he's thinking back to when they made love on the bedroom floor covered in paint before the furniture arrived. After all, this was Julia's new favorite sport. Yeah, but I, I think memory. it's somebody else's favorite sport too. But that's another. Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, we actually we actually asked Cesar about that. Um, we asked we asked what inspired the inclusion of body painting. Was any research involved? Winky face. Let me tell you, I did not expect him to respond to this question. I threw a lot of questions his way. I did not expect him to respond to this one, and he did. He said for the body painting scene. Research. Very important. (laughs) So let's just take it for what it was. Research, research, research. Well done, sir. Of course, it doesn't have to be paint. It can be chocolate. (laughs) Well, this, you know, but this referenced the the actual painting. You know, so I almost wonder if this happened in real life. This reminds me, um, I don't know if you did it. Leslie at Comic Con, <laughs> that they had the male models and one of the oh, oh a passion con, <laughs> yes, passion con part, passion con, and there was a scavenger hunt, and there was the part where everyone had to paint on the models, male models, yeah. who are in their undies. So unfortunately, I didn't get oh, don't to tell me they were in their tidy whities I didn't. I oh didn't no! Any of the painting, I took a picture. It was. But, it was tidy. <laughs> it was tidy. Was it tidy you know boxer what? briefs? We actually we ha- we actually had a tattoo artist in our group, so mm. she was she was the one that she did all the painting because she was good. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, my group. We just sat there and were laughing and could not right. believe we were painting uh, where we were body painting a model. Uh-huh. It was all very mm. very beautiful and very um, uh-huh. yes. Very in into my it. Group, there was more than one lady doing the painting. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, that is very misogynistic on the female side. <clears throat> Just <laughs> saying. <laughs> and then we also had to recreate the book cover of a, a book. So, I yes. know. Yes. That yeah, we did Gabriel's to- Inferno. Oh, you did that one? Mine, yes. We had to do Wasty. <laughs> So we were putting oil on the male's <laughs> abdomen mm-hmm. area, and everyone had to do it. So that was funny because yeah. the male. <laughs> and Brent, did you of- have any of you seen that movie with Sandra Bullock and um, Chris Pratt and no. Daniel Radcliffe? No, um, The Lost City. I think it was named. Yes. Um, you know what I think? Last year. Came out last I did summer. not see it. I wanted to see it. There are a lot of a lot of parallels there with the the male model and uh-huh. what they go through. Because Chris Pratt plays the male model for all the book covers. 
and Julie uh, or Sandra Bullock is the author for the books. Oh wait a minute, Pam! Wasn't it um, Channing Tatum? Wasn't he in that? that that's it. I'm sorry, Channing yeah. Tatum. That's right. I still didn't see it, but I want to because I thought it sounded like a very funny premise. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. And it, but, but you know that 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 whole what you're talking about what happened in Passion Con and what was going on with him just reminds me of that movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. So- and Brenda's saying she had they had their picture with one. <laughs> Brenda knows because she was at Passion Con. She knows the ridiculousness. It was funny. Yeah, it was funny. And uh, Black Lab Lady said that movie came out earlier this year, but she hasn't seen it yet. Okay. Uh, so uh, it, it is enjoyable. It is enjoyable. <laughs> I I thought it was uh, although I did like the one with uh, the Rock and um, Emily Blunt better, but it, it's it's enjoyable. Oh, I like that one. I did see that. Um, so, yeah. And it's it's our three-quarter time holiday uh, interlude. It is. It is. <laughs> okay. Perfect. So in Gabriel's mind, he's listening. Well, in the actual house, he's listening to Mango. While Meanwhile, Julia, in her mind, she's listening to Silent Night while she works on her paper. <laughs> <laughs> Very different mood. It gets your mood. Very changes true. your mood. <laughs> Very true. Oh, my God. You know, he's thinking of these memories of the, the body painting and the music coming is coming to a crescendo. And, uh, you know, the time in Belize, he's thinking of these really... Um, very intensely intimate times with his wife. Yeah. And he was not going to let her ignore him for another night. <laughs> He's having so, a little you know, when the professor sets his mind to something, he is a man on a mission. I want it now. Yeah. So <laughs> barefooted, he went to her and moved her hair from her neck and started mm-hmm. nibbling on it. Oh, please. That's that oh, my spot. Is that, that is my spot. In the book. In the book, it's Mango. In the film, there was a Portuguese song. So it's like, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, it'll be well, interesting got the to fruit. see. Um, yeah, the food yes. in, in Belize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did love song, that. That was a beautifully shot. That was beautifully yep. shot. So he stroked her goose-pebbled skin, and she protested. She hadn't finished her paper. She didn't want to embarrass Catherine. You can see, you can see, I can see Melanie portraying Julia just being like, I need to finish this. I need to finish this. I'm the youngest person on the program. I can't be an embarrassment. And Gabriel assured her that she would have ample time to finish writing and she would not embarrass Catherine. Am I the only who was thinking of like having a ruler, like a numb every time Gabriel were to pop like, (laughs) Let go. <laughs> hey, listen. Those male rulers that the nun had were not good. Nor okay. were the pointers or the yardsticks. Uh, how would you know that, Pam? Oh, is that another chapter for your? Well, book? you know, you learn. You learned when you had to put your hands flat on the desk. You learned to to like you know bend your knuckles a little bit. So that mm-hmm. way, when the metal ruler came down, it would push it. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as the pointer and the ruler, personally never experienced that, but there were quite a few in my, in my class that did. And there mm-hmm. were a few pointers and a few yardsticks that were broken. Oh. 
And then, uh-huh. of course, there was God, poor, God, poor Chris McMeekin, God rest him, who had his head pushed through the slate blackboard into a brick wall. Mm. Wow. That's... Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that... that, and that's when mom and dad said, I think you've had enough Catholic school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and concussion? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I felt sorry. Chris is a long story. I felt sorry for him. His parents broke up. His father was a, a derelict alcoholic. I mean, homeless, living in Reading, mm. Pennsylvania. And uh, the nuns took that. There were five kids in the family, and the, the nuns took it out on all five kids. Uh. Just put it that way. I mean, it was not, not you know, <laughs> let's help this kid. It's like, it's your fault. So. <laughs> Oh it, no! Chris and eventually followed his father and committed suicide. So, oh, years so later. Oh. Well, that's a terrible, sad thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My, and my dad I'm, was I'm his looking... AA sponsor for a while. Yeah. So, oh, so well. in, in other words, I'm sorry, Gabriel. Go back to nibbling. Yes, go back to nibbling. <laughs> let's. That's uh, my yeah, neck. Well, I can I, feel I, it tingling yeah. now. <laughs> well, Black Lab Lady said seriously. Would anyone actually try to discourage our handsome professor? I Absolutely think not. Dot, dot, dot. But I you know, think Betty would. If they were Paul, then I would be like, oh, I, I do think, I do think they were far enough along. Um, Flora saying swoon, Gabriel and neck kissing, yes. yes and Brenda please, says, yeah, please, professor. Please. Yes, but, you please. Know, I, th- I, also think, I also think Julia was at that point in their marriage. Granted, it's only a few months. It's only been six months. She, she wanted yeah, to, but do you know? I you know, don't it's know. like, I, you know, I, I want to resist. I'm going to say no. I want to resist. I'm going to say no. I'm going to resist. I'm going to say no. But you always give in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, 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 I wouldn't resist. They yes, say, what? Yes, come. Yes. Oh, once, once the next well, story, oh, I never resist. Don't even have to, say, you do not have to ask me twice. Yes, exactly. It's Gabriel. Of course. It's Gabriel. Oh, that's why, because it's Gabriel. It's like, well, something. Well, but the, oh, no, no, anybody starts nibbling no, no, no. on my, anybody starts nibbling on my neck, they could lead me anywhere. You know, I admire, <laughs> I admire Julia at this point because she has a willpower, but I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I say hello, yeah. hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hi, I think how are you? <laughs> Julia is facing what so many people are facing, multiple pressures and multiple, yes, you know, mm-hmm. worries. So, and, and actually Perling, this probably, you probably can completely relate to this since you're in academia. I mean, she also mentioned that besides doing this paper, she had to get the house ready for her family that will be arriving in two days. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gabriel took issue with the, you're saying that this is not just my family it's our family mm-hmm. so you know he wanted yeah. to remind her it's not you know it's not just my family you're yeah, part of our family and there's a lot of pressure to that i mean i i can from my own personal experience after jim and i get married and i had anybody coming into the house whether it had been friends or family i would get so nervous i'd be like you know Got to make sure everything was just right, the food and how it was prepared mm. and what I was going with it. And, I, and Jim would get mad at me because I would get so up, I, I'd be so uptight about this. 
Excellent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, you need to adapt to the yeah. reality. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is why Gabriel's like, I'm I'll hire a maid. I'll hire a maid. That's yeah, taken but, care of. Go get you, the blanket now. But you know what? <laughs> this, is, this is where to have different mentalities. Gabriel's like, you're stressed. You need to relax. Let's let's make love. And Julia's like, you know, help me. Maybe, just maybe, if you were cleaning the dishes, you know, <laughs> sleep a little. Yeah. Oh, we're but you know, the, we don't want you to think we're messy. <laughs> well, the other thing, though, too, is Gabriel, It's it's the... The haves and have nots, right? So Gabriel now has, has been accustomed to having money for a lot longer than Julia. So Gabriel's like, I'll throw money at the problem. We'll yes. just get it. We'll hire a maid. We'll take care of that. You don't have to. And then Julia's default is, oh, my gosh, I have to do everything by myself. Yes. Yeah. So, and, 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 you know, I can relate. On. I yes. can relate. Mm-hmm. As a newlywed, okay. I could relate to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and Black Lab Lady said, same here, Pam. Husband just can't understand what's the big deal. Grab the vac, honey. <laughs> Which he does, she says. Yeah, I think as it's always women, good when the, you trained him well, Elena. You trained him well. We're always used to having to do everything. We're responsible for everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I understand the pressure that she's feeling. Because in her head, she's like, I have to clean. I have to make the dinner. I have to work on my paper. I have to give a good presentation. I have to do this right. all on my own. I mean, yes, the maid's going to come, but she still has to work on her presentation. Gabriel's already right. been there, done that. So for him, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it. This is the first time Julia is doing this. And so I understand how and why she would be so hesitant to be like, oh, mm-hmm. let's take an afternoon delight right now. I'm fine. Like, she doesn't <laughs> know how long it's going to take her to finish writing her dissertation, her paper. And what if Catherine doesn't like it and she wants her to make changes that's going to take more time that she could have moved on forward with her paper so that's why i'm like gabriel maybe you should just like you know clean a little that will totally put her in a mood yeah well anna's anna's just diagnosed her that julia has the martyr syndrome mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trying to I, do I, I think it's the newlywed martyr syndrome yes mm-hmm. i well i think yes i think she is trying to make everything and take it all on herself and she's forgetting that she can share the responsibility. It's not yes. all on her shoulders. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Brenda's saying if she asks for help, then he might give it to her. She needs to communicate better. Yes. Brenda, hundred percent. Absolutely. You know, Julia hasn't said, you know, I don't think she mentioned to Gabriel before I have to get the house ready for your fam- for your family or but, our family. But wouldn't mm-hmm. that be like common sense? We just moved in. We finished painting the walls. Ergo, the house is still somewhat of a mess. It's not presentable for family yet. So we are on a tight limit. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think... Yeah. I can only speak in my own experience. And I don't think that totally connects with mm-hmm. the male it doesn't for uh, and, and in some of situation. my experiences too mm-hmm. there's yeah, no the same fine. pressure don't worry about it just you know just relax uh, we'll make it all yes. work don't worry uh-huh. you know anna anna mentioned yeah. another really good point too mm-hmm. she plus she needs to prove that she is not her mother that is true that's a massive, massive point, Anna. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's that's very, very true. 
Although I know Jul- in uh, Gabriel's case, he's thinking, Julia, you need to relax and let me help you with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you exactly. Know. So Julia <laughs> saw the familiar plaid blanket and, you know, looking outside, it's dark and she knows Gabriel would protect her. So he helped her up and momentarily he held on to her. She felt his warmth through her sundress and it was very comforting. Besides, with a heated look that could melt snow, he told her he wanted to see her skin glow in the moonlight mm. while he was inside of her. Mm. <laughs> Turning up the heat. I love how SR like turned the heat up in like the yes. first two pages of it. I know. Like, <laughs> talk about, talk about, about melting. Trying to write the notes for this with everything that's yes. coming up. Well, I know. And talk about, I was listening to this. Mm-hmm. I'm with with John's beautiful voice saying these lovely, beautiful words. It's like, mm-hmm. and then he, as he nibbled on her ear, she gave into the desire <laughs> and the scent of peppermint and aramis. Mm-hmm. And she decided that Guido de Montefeltro could wait. Wait, so, who? I, <laughs> yeah, Guido who's right. <laughs> Guido? Um, yeah, again, Gabriel got what he wanted. <laughs> he ha- he was a man on the mission, and he achieved the mission. Yes. Thank After God. all, Gabriel said, After. Guido's been dead for 700 years, and he could wait a bit longer. It could stop. That's his practices. Well, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's June 2011 in my head. Wow, that's 11 years ago. What the heck was I doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's Why more than here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anna's saying Gabriel's norm is a housekeeper, so he's used to it. And yeah. Brenda's saying, yes, he's more than willing to hire someone, but she would prefer he didn't do that because he would be using the money. And um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Brenda's noting that, oh, yes, the audiobook is fire, really hot. Mm-hmm. And Flora said he literally puts us right back into the flames. When I was listening, Brenda said, I would hear Gabriel's voice and Guido's voice at certain times, and Julia's voice at certain times. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can, I, I get that now. You know, you after, know when I you know, start yeah, reading, yeah. you I can, you can visualize. Gabriel. Sometimes I'm visualizing Julia now as Gabriel. I visualize mm-hmm. two different Gabriels <laughs> with, mm-hmm. with uh, Morgan's voice. I have Morgan's Gabriel. Then I still have David Gandy as my original Gabriel. Yes. Oh, original. yeah. And yeah. Julio, but I tend to go back and forth. Like I have mm-hmm. Morgan's voice and I go back and forth with the guys and the visuals. I'm like, ooh, who, is it? who am I going to get today? <laughs> I think that's a really nice hybrid, I'll tell you that. It would be, a, it would be an interesting hybrid, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Julia shifted the blanket and she took his hand as they journeyed downstairs and out to the yard on the way to the orchard. And his expression grew playful. Have you ever made love in an orchard? Julia shook her head. Then I am glad I am your first. Yeah. Can you imagine if Juliet had ever like joked like, well, not in an orchard, but I was this close to making love in the barn. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think. What? Desk yeah. sex. <laughs> Why go to the orchard? You could have desk sex right there. Right. Yeah. I think people, 
he would say his favorite explicit right there. And it's like, and I just killed him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Kenzie noted that she felt the same that you did, Betty. Gandhi and uh, James Michael Morgan swoon. Yes. Yeah. That's, it is swoon, very swoon worthy. Yes. So you can see as Julia tightened her hand, she told him that she was his last and her only. So again, hearkening back to the prior books and really establishing that relationship, I think was nicely, Esther just nicely wove everything into this, I think. Mm -hmm. So Gabriel switched on the flashlight as they entered the woods and he led the way over the tree roots and the uneven ground and the air was warm for June. The light was filtered from the trees and you could hear the evening birds and katydids. Soon they were entering the clearing and there were wildflowers and old apple trees, as well as the new trees that Gabriel had put in, with their branches reaching toward the stars. As they got to the center of the clearing, his body relaxed. This was a sacred place, it seemed, to so- and soothed him very much. Yeah. So it's that whole, you know, we always yeah. talk about SR setting these beautiful environments. And, uh, you know, you can visualize how this is going to be and how this is going to appear. <laughs> Hmm. by this description. And you do know that I did Google Katie Dids because I wasn't exactly sure what they were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I heard the noise, I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's the crickets and stuff that go through the night. Not to mm-hmm. be confused with Katy Perry. No, not to <laughs> no. be confused with Katy Perry. Yes. <laughs> Although Katie did, Katie's done, and Katie had did some many, many things. Yes. I'm not going to go there. Not to... <laughs> she is a beautiful baby with Orlando Bloom. She anyway. does have a beautiful baby with Orlando Bloom, and Orlando Bloom is very beautiful when he was standing naked on a surfboard, a paddleboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so you did go there, Pam. You did. Well, I did. <laughs> Had to. See, I it was there. It. You know, I was there. What can I tell right, you? Research, Pam. Research. Exactly. It yes. was research. And and to be honest with you, it was research before the books. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> for your, for your... <laughs> it was on TMZ. Okay. And, uh, and and it was yeah. pixel everything was pixelated. And when yes. I researched it, it was not pixelated. So oh. Oh. I see. I see said the blind man to his deaf daughter. i wondered did gabriel turn off the stereo in the house or is it just still playing while they're out into the woods well you know it could be like you know you've like i have um um whatever that thing is spotify and you can Mm -hmm. you can put it out to like speakers that have bluetooth and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it could be like that and it could be still playing in the house without us knowing it Maybe. I wonder what else is in a playlist. Like, ooh, what else is there? That would be interesting. <laughs> that would be fun to find out. Mango's one of them. We know that. Yes. I can but, imagine. I don't know. I, I wonder. I mean, he plays the music to get her in the mood. And in the first book, he made a whole playlist so they can make love to it. Mm-hmm. Now it's just like, okay, I got her in the mood. Now we're going to go. And the music is gone. It's like, oh, really? <laughs> At least oh, with your phone. <laughs> I would think I would think he, he would keep it on. 
I mean, I, 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 think, I think it would have a little Nat King Cole. I think it would have a little, uh, maybe a little Eva Cassidy. She's had a beautiful voice and a beautiful song. Yes. So I could think of a lot of things that she could have. Yeah. Not so much pepper. I don't think Julia would be into that. Red Hot Chili Peppers? Salt and pepper. Really? Push it. Push it. I don't think she would be. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't Play, think. Play, push it. <laughs> was that salt and pepper? No, I don't think she'd be. In no, I don't much. think that's Julia's taste. Although, yeah. I, I think she'd taste. like to dance. I think she would be dancing to them with Rachel. With yeah. Rachel? Yeah. I mean, that <laughs> was kind of her, the music playing during her generation. So I can yeah. see Rachel and Rachel dancing. Yeah, but I don't know if Julia would dance to that with Gabriel. No, mm -hmm. no, I think Annette oh. and Paul would would be more in line with, or Michael Bublé possibly with mm -hmm. something would be more in mm -hmm. line with what she would dance with. with Gabriel. Yeah, unless true. Drunk Gabriel. Oh, and how wonderful that's is that? nice. Anyway, <laughs> so. You know, so, you know, Gabriel's got it all set up. He's got the blanket. They're out in the woods and he's spreading the blanket. And uh, she turns off the flashlight and the darkness is now like enveloped them in like a, a nice velvet cloak. And I'm thinking a cloak that I saw in the Johnny Depp movie. Just, you know. Oh, which one? From hell. Or <laughs> <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, either one. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Not like the Harry Potter invisible cloth. No, it wouldn't be like the invisible the cloak of invisibility. But in any event. So it's a full moon and, and the nice thing about a full moon when you're out in an open area, you mm -hmm. do see so much more. You really do. As mm -hmm. opposed to like when you're a quarter or a half moon. Absolutely. And then, and then um you know, so so they've got that going on, and the, and the, and there's little wisps. I love the way he writes this. Wisps of clouds that are blocking the moon every now and then, and the stars are twinkling overhead, and and um and they're in an area where they don't have the light pollution, so you do get to see those twinkling stars, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um. You know, so so he's tracing his hands up and down her arm, and he traced a finger along the neckline of her dress, and he liked this dress. I mean, it was probably very easy to get off. He liked this dress. <laughs> <laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely, you can always find something positive in your your approach. So her beauty was even uh, visible in the moonlight, and I think moonlight is. In my own experience, and not you know, and not just in a romantic sense, but when you're out in the moonlight, your skin tends to take on a different look to it, and it does look more beautiful. I think because it's more dewy and whatever. Collective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so he appreciated the arch of her cheeks, and he, and you know, he was it. He. He then kissed her, and it was like he, he her mouth and her large expressive eyes mm -hmm. and you know he, he lifted her lips and they began to kiss and it was ardent possessive as only lovers could be you know and in those those moments are crazy yes. and you know he he 
his body was against hers and his fingers were tangling in her hair and she's panting and wondering if she could if if someone could see them i mean i know with this song this is this, and i mentioned this before we started the podcast night or my sister one or the other there's a song i wanted to put into this musical playlist mm-hmm. kind of irreverent but it was from the beatles white album and is you know why don't we do it in the road <laughs> 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 and I just that that song just hit me at this point. I don't don't ask why. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. and I wanted to say a special hello to Ashley who just got off work and is joining us. So hello, Ashley. Hello, Ashley. And I did play hello. the take for the body painting scene. I put the link in the chat box. So if you have not read that, as Kenzie notes, the iconic body paint scene. Um. Please take a look at it. And Floor loves that outtake. She said, "A perfection of lovers." Oh yes, yeah. oh yes. And any, any. Never mind. Any. Want to share anything else, Pam? Yes, Pam. I, I, I got a lot going on in my head right I now. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> it's. You know, it's you, you get into that point. Your 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 passion. Anything goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Whether be, yes. Whether it be potty paint, whether it be I... chocolate, <laughs> whether it be whipped cream. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Whether it be in the woods. Just not hot sauce. <laughs> okay. No, well, no, you don't want hot sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That burns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't want I accidents. Don't know about that, but it does burn. <laughs> it's not that kind See, of this burn. was this is Pam this was Pam doing research. Yeah. <laughs> and I've done a lot of research in my years, especially in eighteen of it. So um, you know, so anyway. <clears throat> So they were, you know, they were. He was very happy with what everything that was. It was around him, and it's outdoors, and it's it's cool but warm, and you got you got the all the nature surrounding you, and there's just something so erotic about that. Yeah, in my own personal opinion. I just kept thinking, like, thank God it's June and not like July or. Or August, like July, can you imagine? Well, you know, like, February and March can be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, no, but I'm like, you know, July, there's a lot of people with the fireworks. That might be a bit stressful, maybe. <laughs> like, uh, boom, all of a sudden, fireworks here, fireworks there. I yeah. think it's, I, I don't know, I don't know. Fire, well, the I guess fireworks can add fireworks to and, Fireworks yes. in Salem's Grove. I don't know, Julia. You have people drinking beer out on the back, you know, the back yeah. porch and setting them off. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. want to be on the back control. porch with them. Uh-huh. In any event. Um, so anyway, so she's, you know, she's, she's, she's worried because there could be people that could be around, could see them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, <laughs> that, that, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah. she, she's worried. I'm, but I'm laughing at, not. I'm laughing at what, 
<laughs> what Black Gladys? Black Ladies. Elena said, Pam, your research knows. No, <laughs> and again, she said, frankly, I don't want to hear any more about Pam's sexcapades. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Oh well, you that book, oh, Pam. I've got a book to write yet. I've got a book to write. Anyway, oh, so, nice. so, so she's what, you know. So, but they're, but they're, it's her concern. I mean, it would be anybody's concern, if, especially if you're in the woods. You don't know what's around you. Yes. And, yes. Um, I don't know. You're in the middle of an orchard. There's not going to be people around or anything. Why would she be that. afraid? She's well, familiar. Who knows? She's well, familiar but, with the area, though. But, mm -hmm. but let's remember, in the future, they mm -hmm. do hear yes, something. Yes, so I know. But I that's had to right. pretend I hadn't read that book when I was that's right. That's that's right. right. <laughs> Thinking like Gabriel, no one's going to. But Gabriel's assuring her that it's dark, it's private, right. you're fine. Yes. But mm -hmm. that is. The blanket um, is That nice. was why we asked him the question that we did. That's what we did. <laughs> So had Julia seen anyone besides Gabriel in the orchard before? And was this why mm. she was worried? And mm. SR responded saying, while the orchard is private property, there is mm -hmm. concern that someone could wander in. It doesn't have a fence after all. Yeah. If it did have a fence, if someone wants to just like go in, they could. They could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it's just it's so remote. But it's like, but it's there. like, but it's like, it's very you rural. Know? I guess maybe because I've been to Sealand's Grove, it's it's well, rural. Yeah, it's but very, we're still looking rural. for that orchard, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> we are but, still yeah. looking for it. Yeah, but I, I think I, Julia I, is worried for nothing. I used to, mm -hmm. I used to do, I used to do a lot of camping in the uh, New York area, mm -hmm. like in in the Catskills and, and around Welsh Lake and all these different areas. And there are sections when you get up into the Catskills and that you get a private, you, you do have a private um, camping area that you get, a, you get a permit for them. And you don't know what's around you. I mean, and I'm not <laughs> talking about the bears or the deer or anything, any other woodland creature you don't know mm -hmm. so there there is a certain amount of apprehension i'm sure she could have because of that because uh, it is a public area in, in certain yeah. extents in my in my mm -hmm. head i was like there could be a killer we don't know that's true <laughs> oh my god what have well you as as anna mentioned and this is very true critters and bugs critters and bugs okay <laughs> You can in find June, in June in Pennsylvania, that's definitely mm. true. Oh, yeah, especially with four-legged critters that weigh about 700 pounds um, <laughs> that my sister has had you know, around her I, house I in the Poconos. I, I will be more concerned about the bugs and all the insects. That yes. too. But, no, but not for a, because of person, for a person or something. Well, you never know. I mean... Life is stranger than fiction sometimes. Well, mosquitoes, so. mosquitoes no <laughs> yeah, matter that where is they true. land. That is so true. Mosquitoes and no seams, no matter where they land, you don't want them. You know, but at the end, we are with Superman. Uh, this <laughs> is true. <laughs> true. This is true. 
I that's know. Why, that's why winter camping is the trick. Because you don't have the bugs of the four-legged animals. Right. See, see, now I wonder, Gabriel, besides the lamp and the blanket, did you bring <laughs> bug repellent? Um, with deet. It's got to have deet or else you get, you know, you get the ticks mm -hmm. with the Lyme disease. But you know, well, sometimes we, lavender oil does the trick. And not with deet and, and not with deet, not with, not with Lyme, Lyme ticks, no. No. But you know, with all this discussion, we kill the the passion. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. You know, you know why? Yes, Let's go the back heat. to the house. So, so anyway, so Gabriel, Gabriel is mostly enjoying her lingerie, but he did prefer her naked. And while she wasn't sure about you know all this you know dropping everything in the out of doors and being one with nature as it would be. Uh, she kept ex expecting to see someone. And uh, so so now Gabriel, you know, he's helping her undress and he's caressing her breasts and he moves his hands towards her spine. And, you know, one of the neat things about, um, uh, about men is that they have this one-handed trick to unsnap your bra <laughs> so they can get all through that. I don't know what it is. I don't. I think my son at thirteen knew how to do it without me knowing about it. You know, they practice a lot. Uh, they, they do. Practice. They do. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that must be like a secret class we girls don't know about. Like in high school or junior high school, they're like, "Okay, boys, today we're going to learn an important <laughs> lesson. We're going to learn how to pass a bra with one hand." You, my dear, will learn the skill as well and master it. <laughs> but you can teach it to the future generations as well. Yeah, well, thank you oh so my much. God. Or something like so that. So Anna's, oh, Anna's yeah. pointing out that she just, she said a bear just walked across the road in front of her this afternoon. Not in the oh. woods. On a little rural residential. Wow. You know, when I first moved to Nyack, New York, this is a true story. Um, I was, um, the, I, I, before I could move into the apartment I had, I had a two week time frame that I had, that I was able to work with my landlord and he put my furniture into the apartment that I was renting, but I had to sleep someplace in another area. Mm-hmm. Now, Rockland County, New York, Betty, you know Rockland County a little bit. It's it's a little bit, you know, it's above New York City, but it's not really rural. And they've had a lot of issues right now with a lot of other things with uh, polio and everything. But it's it's not a completely rural area. And um, Nyack especially, it's right on the Hudson River. And <laughs> I, we, I got this alert saying, you know, you got to be careful because there's a, the bear. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? There's a bear in Nyack. Come on. I'm too, I'm, I'm too far away from the Catskills, from the mountains, from the rural areas. I'm in Nyack. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't a, matter. It does matter. It doesn't matter. And this bear was... Um, Hitting all the trash cans a block over from where I was was where all the back of the restaurants were. Mm 
And they, he was going into all their trash cans, their bins. And um, my the woman that I met after I moved into where I did, uh, her the, she called. She had to call the state because the bear was actually sleeping in her tree, and she didn't oh know. And gosh. she was she was pulling out of her driveway, and there's this bear's leg hanging out of a tree that she sees, and that's where the bear was. You know, wow. so it doesn't matter anymore where they are. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so again, uh, <laughs> I do worry about. Yeah, you. Anna was saying very unsettling. Wondered if the bear was very close. It was very and, close, like a lot closer than I thought it would be for me. And yeah. uh, and and Flora said, "Scary. I can't imagine running into one. No, you don't want to. Trust me." Mm-hmm. And cute. Elena They're said, cute, "The bra snapping, <laughs> genetically <laughs> embedded." And she also said, I love the line SR uses here when Julia says that Gabriel thinks of everything. Quote, I simply think, <laughs> think of, of you. You, you are, are everything. Yes. I know. There are so many quote worthy things in this but you chapter. Know, you know me. I would have been like, well, you forgot the bug repellent. Well, <laughs> I would not be thinking about bug repellent. I would not be thinking about, about a lot of things at that point. I wouldn't think about anything. Exactly. I'm with you. Exactly. It would be all sensory overload. water. I'm a little thirsty. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So, so no, he's no, exploring no, 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 no. all the hills I'm and bring a He was exploring all the hills and valleys of, of what yeah. is Julia. And enjoying everything he was seeing, and mm. she, she, they basically told her that if someone came in, I would, I would protect you. I'd cover you. You, nobody, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, oh, I. He thought of everything, and she's like, I, she decided to pray that, oh God of all, uh, orchard sex, please don't let anyone interrupt us. <laughs> and she hey, removes the shirt. She takes the belt off. Mm-hmm. So he's getting into it. <laughs> Can you imagine all the saints are like, "Whoa, oh my gosh, you remember us, you guys? We're <laughs> you did, you did. You know, it's like our, you know. Yeah, we're back. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. So now they're both naked and they're wrapped up in each other's arms. And Gabriel remarked that it was a good thing that it was warm. Because you didn't bring yes. a blanket, I, I think. I am laughing, Pam, that you're the one who got this this paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> it always works out that way. We don't try it, and it just works out that way. And, you know, as much of a non-prude I am, I am prudish when I read these things. Anyway, <laughs> so, so they're both naked. They're wrapped in each other's arms, and they remarked about, you know, that it was warm, and he's, he's he only brought one blanket, so thank goodness it's warm. Not that it would have mattered. Um, and as she lowered herself to the ground, Gabriel followed her, and he's covering her body. And his plants are his hands are placed on either side of her face. And he, he recited this line: "To the nuptial bower I lead thee, blushing like the morn, all heaven in happy consolations on that hour." Which is a line from Paradise Lost by John Milton. Mm-hmm. So, and Julia mentions that to him, and he's stroking. 
and she's stroking the stubble on his chin. And uh, he says, but I can't, can only think of paradise found. So Gabriel suggested that they should have been married there and that they should have made love there for the first time. I mean, it is a spot. I mean, think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That is, that is just the, that is the, that's the inception. That's the, 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 mm-hmm. that is where they connected and met. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I fell mean, in love, her, her love instantaneous and infatuation. Rachel asking like, but why are you guys getting married here? Like, right. The story. Italy and, and same and Assisi had such a great profound impact on them both, but I could see, so I can right. see that, but I can mm-hmm. remember, you know, my husband and I had a very simple wedding. I was married in a backyard. It was great. It was barefoot. I had flowers in my hair, the whole hippie nine yard wedding. But I remember seeing the a, a movie, a Robin Hood movie, and it had um, it was Kevin Costner with a Midwestern accent. Doing, yes. <laughs> and and trust me, I loved that movie. Not many people did. I did. Alan Rickman mm-hmm. was in it. Now, he was a, a vicious evil person he but, was evil but i mm-hmm. loved the wedding that they had at the end of that movie when mary mm-hmm. and robin got married in the woods with the I, I to me that i i would do i would recreate that wedding at any given time right so that's you know it's, it's what what you got anyway would it be like the bella and edward wedding yeah. um no that was I, amped up that I was don't. amped up but it is interesting that, you know, SR, truly, this was started, this was born of the fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is interesting that he he did not have the wedding set here. Right. You know. No. Okay. I, you know, and, and, and I mean, right. you, do, you do the wedding the way you think you should have it at the time. And whether mm-hmm. it be the big fancy church wedding with the big reception afterwards or mm-hmm. whether it be the backyard wedding with friends and family, mm-hmm. that you know everybody's different, and you you do what you got to do for the time. And we're I glad Shell could I, join us, so to I sing like hello to Shell. I like the wedding in Assisi. I thought it was special and oh, very it was beautiful. It was beautiful for them. I don't and it was, think and it that was, was very meaningful, and right? In exactly. a different way, exactly. And since uh-huh. April, exactly. We, wanted to give her like the dream wedding I think that it would have made him maybe question his decision if he wouldn't have given her all that grandeur the big dress and a big church with the flowers and the family if mm-hmm. it had been so intimate it was just them in their orchard I mean it would be significant and meaningful for him but he probably would felt like Maybe I could have given her I more. I could have done her more. I could have done more yeah. for her. Yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, because he was, you know, he was, he would, he had all that money left to, that he had, <laughs> and he just wanted to spend as much of it as he could. But right. it was meaning. But it was still meaningful for right. them. Mm-hmm. You know. And the lovemaking in Florence was beautiful, too. Yes. The bed and the yes. flowers and the petals. It was perfect. I, I don't know. I mean, 
for the first time, I prefer the hotel <laughs> than mm-hmm. the, the forest, the crickets, and the mosquitoes. Like that would have been like, uh, you forget. Oh, the I don't know. <laughs> I, I I think it's an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and first. and and Shell is saying, why spoon a cousin? Because it's dull. You twist. It hurts more. <laughs> That's from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's right. And she loved that um, movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I, to me, if I ever get married again, that is something I would like. I'm mm-hmm. just putting that out in the ether for whoever is not listening. <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it'll never happen. But um, Never say but never. Then, well, that's true. Yeah, well, and just never. like Black Lab Lady said, I have that's right. And when, just like SR or Black Lab Lady says, when SR gives us the 10 year update book, perhaps they will renew their vows in the orchard. Yes. Yeah, that would be and Flora's saying, yes, Black Lab Lady, speak it into existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you you never add, know. SR, if you're listening, you can add that to your file. <laughs> For any oh, okay. But. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't already have it in there. Yeah, anything's possible. Sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. so, you know, like Gabriel suggests that they should have been married there and, and they should have made love there the first time, which would have been beautiful. But Julie reminded him that they're there now. And they were, uh, Gabriel remarked that this is where he found true beauty. And when she was 17, that's exactly true. He, She followed him into the orchard and listened to him and comforted him and that's where he did find the true beauty of, of, of Beatrice to his Dante. Yes. Let's forget about what happened the next day. But yeah. Oh, well, that's true. Yeah. And he kissed her and he worshipped her and their passion or desire had not been abated in the months that they had been married. And I don't mm. think anybody who's been married for a year has passion abated in any way, shape, or form. No. Mm-hmm. And it just gets stronger. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so all motion, speech, and touch melted into their physical love. Yes, and Gabriel knew all of her tells, right? Gabriel knew Uh Julia intimately. He knew her arousal. He knew her excitement and her release. They made love in the night air, surrounded by the greenness of life and the darkness. The old apple trees that knew of the chaste love politely averted their eyes to the couple. I love when he does that. Yeah. When he writes that way. Yeah, baby. Which like, means no. the trees are yeah, baby is right. The, the trees are giving them some privacy because things are getting hot and heavy in the orchard. Yeah. So when they caught their breath after having the most intimate of interactions, Gabriel said he had something for her and he felt around for the flashlight and reached for his trousers because as you can imagine they're both still completely naked laying on the beautiful blanket and under the stars under the in the orchard so when he returned to her he slipped something cool around her neck and when she glanced down there was a necklace made of three individual rings three charms hung from the necklace an apple, a heart, and a book. Julia thought it was beautiful, and Gabriel told her that it had come from London. The charms and the rings were silver, except for the apple, which was gold, and it represents when they met. 
Julia asked about the book and Gabriel said that it had Dante engraved on it. And she thought that maybe she had forgotten a special occasion. She asked him why, you know, why? And he said, no, I just, I just like giving you things. Mm -hmm. So she kissed him deeply and Gabriel moved her onto her back, moving the flashlight. So as as Shell said, uh, Mm -hmm. if only their speaking language is language was as potent as their love language. (laughs) I couldn't help but remember or be reminded of Krista when Gabriel's giving Julia the necklace and like all the meanings of why he's giving it to her, their love for Dante, his love for her and everything. And I was like, huh, I remember that time when Krista was remembering the first time she was, she got the watch. Yes. Right. You know, it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, it's so yes but you know what's interesting it's so different because she was angling for the watch like she was using her body to Mm -hmm. acquire things whereas Julia was was not expecting things Mm -hmm. they just came to her because Gabriel wanted to share them with her and give them to Mm -hmm. her and and Mm -hmm. pamper her Mm -hmm. so it's really a really interesting that you say that, Betty, because it really does demonstrate the difference in their characters. Right. Mm-hmm. And also, <laughs> no offense, but we never see the necklace again. <laughs> he gives it to her. And it's like, oh, Dante, the I, I, you know, She doesn't wear it that often. I think, I think she got a lot of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Like we know she wears the diamond earrings a lot. Mm-hmm. Right. And we know, mm-hmm. we know it would be obviously. interesting to see if in the film if they have her wearing it more than this mm-hmm. this scene. And, and it may be something that, you know, while it's not I mean I mean I can speak for myself. My husband gave me um when we got married he gave me a pearl necklace. Not a not a strand of pearls, but a necklace with a pearl on it with two diamonds. And I can remember wearing that. All the time. I mean, it was just part of everything I did every day. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you know, you don't, you, and it, it doesn't go beyond that. It's part of who you are and part of what you're wearing. Mm-hmm. So it may not be something that is mentioned after that. Well, but as Brenda, I, I, you are right. Brenda said you do see it again. It's in promise when she's giving birth. Mm-hmm. I, you are right. I forgot about that part. Okay. You know, we only okay. just we only just read the book, but you know, yes, but we that don't part know. of it was a super really really long. Mm-hmm. So we can check and we can sleuth that out to find out when what uh, chapter that's in and promise. But again, and and because it's 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 in there. I mean, like I said, it's it's it was something I treasured. I never took it off. And, but it's not, it, it's not part of my everyday conversation, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that could be what it was with her. I mean, it was, it's like, you know, you walk around with an engagement ring and a wedding ring, wedding, I could talk, wedding ring. You don't right. think about them. They're all, they're there. Mm-hmm. And when you look at them, you, they're there, you see them and, and, you know, subconsciously, mm-hmm. you know that what their, their meanings are. Right. But it could be the same mm-hmm. thing yeah. with the necklace. I remember Julia used to wear the, the pearl necklace a lot. That was mm-hmm. a gift from And she used to wear the diamond earrings until, you know, they, Julia and Gabriel split. And mm-hmm. then 
start uh-huh. wearing once they got together. And of course, there's the, the engagement and our wedding ring. But I was like, does she still wear Grace's pearl necklace? Or is she now going to wear the new necklace that she's getting? Or is she going to mix them? Uh, well, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm going to give a way out there example. But the Duchess of, Cam- of Cambridge, now the Princess of Wales. She's got okay. all kinds of jewelry that she's that I'm sure William has given her. I, I I've heard that she's gotten an eternity band from as a push gift from whatever child she had. But I'm mm-hmm. sure also that there are there is jewelry that she's received from her mother-in-law's estate that mm-hmm. she doesn't talk about. And if you, and if you look like when she when she's all dressed up for certain things. She'll have she'll have certain earrings. and if you look at the tabloids, this belonged to Diana, or this belonged to the Queen, or this belonged mm-hmm. to or, or William gave her this. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's maybe the the necklace that was um, Grace's is probably in her jewelry box to wear when she feels that they should be worn. Right, mm-hmm. but yeah. not mentioned. Mhm. Mhm. Good point. Good point. Yes. Go back in the story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Anne is uh, uh, referencing that uh, she had a di- she has a diamond and sapphire necklace that she always wears, and it was the last gift that her husband Alan bought and uh, put on her, but she's never taken it off. So Aww. that's a kind of thing, uh, which is so, so beautiful, Anna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and. Uh, Brenda noted that she was wrong about the necklace. It was actually at the end of Redemption. In the last chapters, right before she gives birth, they discuss the necklace. Mm -hmm. And she said she'd only wear, it seems like uh, Julia would only wear the pearls to special occasions. That's when we've seen it in the books so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Which makes sense. It Mm -hmm. does. It does. Yes. Because Grace held them, you know, Mm -hmm. for Grace had done that as well. And Floor said, uh, agreed with Ellie about the gift situation from Krista. It's a very different situation from Krista demanding and expecting gifts yes. for sex and Gabriel wanting to give the gifts to Julia who doesn't mm-hmm. expect it. And Floor mm-hmm. said that agrees that Krista had other intentions stemming from her twisted reality on men and relationships. And for some reason, I would love to figure out what her twisted relationship, why she had them. Yeah. yeah, because she seemed to grow up in a fairly normal family environment. So I don't, I, I don't, you know, somewhere something twisted somewhere, and I'd love to find out where. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's another story fan for another fiction. Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we we need we need a lot of a lot of ideas for for Tyrion Reynard's books. Yes, we do. <laughs> if if he yeah, doesn't right. have ideas, we have. We do. Right. Just, just, yeah. just let us know. We'll fill out our files for you to add to yours. Yeah. <laughs> he has plenty of imagination, that is for sure. And and yes. Brenda also notes that Julia's hands were swollen, and then that's when it came out because she put the wedding rings on the necklace. Mm-hmm. So it makes you think she wears the necklace all the time. I did that mm-hmm. with mine. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So when... You know, speaking of that whole period, um, Anna sees pearls as different from the neck than a necklace. 
And Kenzie said, I think for Krista, her parents weren't really around. And so she sought the attention of men to make up for that. I think you're right, Kenzie. Good possibility. Good possibility. Yeah. I think, I think. You're looking for the love connection. person, And by love, I mean the physical connection between people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. She kind of was left to her own devices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so Gabriel and Julia just had this very intense, very passionate lovemaking. He gave her this beautiful gift and. When they separated, he placed his hand on her abdomen and sincerely said to her that he wanted to plant his child here. Um. And Julia froze and said, what? (laughs) So soon? (laughs) You can imagine Julia starting to panic as soon as he said that. But when I first read that, I took it at, when I first read that, though, I didn't think he was talking today. You know, I was thinking... He he's just recognizing that he he is married to her. He loves her. He wants to build a family with her. And at some point, yes. I didn't take it like Julia took it. Julia's I, like, I, I well, no, I what did you guys? Well, did you think it was immediate? He was an immediately um, seeking to plant said child. I, um, well, Gabriel mm-hmm. always says, "I will give you time," but then it's like, "We're gonna get married right away!" Yay! You're <laughs> <laughs> like. Gabriel says in the future, but in his mind, the future means like in an hour or two or in a day and let's do this, you know, because he's mm-hmm. older than her. So Gabriel sees like, my God, my time is limited. And well, but then he wasn't like, like old, old. <laughs> no, but he's 10 years older. So he already, well, he feels like, well, now I have less time, you know, my wow. hormones, my sperm is not. As before, oh, well, my right. eggs aren't that. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Jim, I don't know. Jim Langley was the same. Was ten years older than me mm-hmm. when we married, mm-hmm. and it was a wish to have a child as soon as we could because he, as as he put it, I'm 37 and I'm going to be 38 soon, and you're young. You should be able to conceive a child fairly easy, but I may not be able to help you conceive that child as easy. Mm-hmm. Jim always thought he was 10 years older than he actually was. Just, just <laughs> to put a reference on that. And I don't mean that meanly. I mean, that's, a, that's literally how he felt. Mm-hmm. So An I, older soul. Yeah, and I think that, you know, when there is an, a larger age difference between a husband and wife, there is more of a I'd really like to be able to have a child with you. How soon can we do it? Mm-hmm. And but he wasn't put. But the nice thing about Gabriel is he wasn't putting any pressure on her. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe right. he well, as at- wasn't, but she did feel it. Oh well, of course she well, felt it. No, it was. I mean, if, if that happened to me, I will. I will be shocked, but not because I was thinking that it was in the moment. But it was like, okay, we just got married, so let's let's mm-hmm. talk about it, <laughs> right. you know. But I, but I wasn't. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Julia wasn't shocked. I, uh, but you know, she's she's trying to to adapt herself to the new reality, and now they are talking about 
children. So it's like well, and then Shell, Shell noted at that point her anxiety flared. It did. You know, mm-hmm. She's just thinking it, that's she just got anxious. Mm-hmm. And Ellie was saying, mm-hmm. I think he was just really showing that he wanted to have a child with her. He did still have to go through the reversal of the vasectomy. So he's showing he loves her and he has forgiven himself because of her helping, of her help living through the Maya loss. Well, yeah, but you know, uh, one thing is uh, thinking about it and, and, you know, wish it. And the other thing is, you know, make the actions for it. But Mm -hmm. it's something that he wanted at the moment. He was sincere about it. Yeah. Kenzie was saying, I think he was planting the seed for wanting a child with her in the future. At a certain point, a lot of couples have that discussion. And I think him wanting a child stems from his newfound hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie's saying he was just showing his intention. And yes, getting married and being 10 years older, his clock was ticking. They had both prayed for a child, if you recall, in the tomb. Mm-hmm. I think Julia just panicked. And yes, Shell, technically his clock does run slower. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, I was I was like Julie. I was like, uh, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought so. You also you kind like, of were like, wow, why is he mentioning it? Yeah, I was like, this is like the worst time to mention that mm-hmm. because I'm already stressed about work. You know, my the, the writing the dissertation. You know, from Julia's perspective, and getting the house ready for the family who's coming over, and there's so much pressure. And now you want to add something else on top of that? Like, yeah, really? his timing was off. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he saw he's he he was mentioned that, but it's like, oh yes, I want to do something in the future. I mean, I know it's not necessary that we were talking like right now, right. Well, and I think, but I think that's why I was curious what your reaction was when you first read it. I didn't take it as Julia took it. I, mm-hmm. I took it as he, he's, he's in t- his intention down the road. And Anna, yes. Anna, you know, noted this was difficult for me to like Julianne when she balks at children. You know, she balks at that idea. Mm-hmm. And Kenzie's noting also being a college student, having a child is not very ideal. That's a lot of stress. That's why she was so adamant about finishing school first. And Mm -hmm. Flora said, I know Gabriel meant eventually, not specifically that soon. He knew from Mm -hmm. her reaction before before about him wanting children and before she was even ready for marriage. And he still would have Mm -hmm. to get the vasectomy reversed, which is Mm -hmm. true. And he, you know, he did agree that he and he wanted her to put the education first and get her doctorate before yes. they started having a family. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Gabriel just made the reference that truly we never know what time we have. It's and true. Julia's mind sure. immediately went to Grace, Gabriel's adopted mm-hmm. mother, and Sharon, her mother. They both died young, but from very different circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, Shell, you know, this whole that was a turning point for Gabriel when he felt worthy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think he's having that recognition that we just... You know, I definitely would like to have kids, and I know that there is no guarantees in life. And mm-hmm. then he said, look, Dante lost Beatrice when she was 24. Losing mm-hmm. Julia would be devastating. And Julia reached up to him. No morbid talk. Not after we just celebrated life and love. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, this also is showing Gabriel, you know, Julia is not the only person who has a lot of things weighing on her mind. She's 
in the midst of the academia, the new wife responsibilities that mm-hmm. she's taking on herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's contemplating, I would like to have a child. I don't know if I can reverse the vasectomy. I don't know what the, the process is going to be for us. Mm-hmm. You know, how long am I going to have Julia? Would I lose her? Like, so I think they're both really, really challenging and, Anna, that makes perfect sense to me. She said yeah. this plate for her is very personal. Alan's vasectomy was reversed on December 27, 1983, and subsequently her Jason was born November 30th, 1984, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Nice. Absolutely. So Gabriel spread kisses across her belly before reclining. Uh, Julia placing his hand on his chest over his tattoo in the bleeding heart. She told him that she was almost as old as Beatrice and she was quite healthy. And she asked if his anxiety was because of Maya. And she said, you know, it's all right if it was. And Gabriel knew she was happy and okay. So it really wasn't about Maya. Mm-hmm. Julia mm-hmm. believed that as well, but she did hesitate. And I'm seeing that Brenda said, I think that's another reason why he wants to have children ASAP because he's scared to lose her before having something of her and a child would be that. Well, you know, it, it, it's, you know, I, I know of people that have lost children even before they were married and have wanted when they get married. It's like, this is wonderful. You want to have a child? I'll have a child. And because there's, there's a certain amount of loss connected with the first child and when you come to this into a, a position where you can have a loving relationship and have a child it's like yes let's do it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's part of, of what they were going he was going through maybe you know I keep thinking maybe it was Gabriel who was reading the prologue and this is why he's so like determined that he wants to have a baby Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want to feel lonely if he were ever to lose her. That's a good possibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, but when you think about know. when you think about it, I mean, first of all, I, first of all, I don't think Gabriel, if he had met someone other than Julia and had gotten into some sort of a committed relationship, and this is after Maya, I don't think he would have had the vasectomy re- reversed. Mm-hmm. I think Julia pointed him was. A, a, a focus for him of love and what could be and a family and how happy that yeah. family could be. It, he Hope. I mean, she yes, gave him absolute hope. absolute hope. Absolute hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. But if it had been a Krista or a Jane Doe, I don't think that would have been there. Mm-hmm. True. And tech, in terms of technicalities, Anna noted, it's actually six hours of microsurgery for the reversal. A little more than SR rights, she said. Yeah. Um, and Kenzie I, notes, I also think Gabriel was hurt from her response because she shut it down immediately and maybe that felt made him feel less than as if she didn't want a baby with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... I think that's... I. I, again, I think this goes to Brenda's point earlier about their communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... And his insecurity. True. 
Yes. And and so Gabriel, you know, had noted, um, you know, during her hesitation, you know, he was asking Julia, what was that about? And, um, you know, she said she actually was thinking about Sharon. And... You know, so again, talking mm. about their own insecurities. Mm. Um, and yeah. I think maybe Kenzie, I do think, I, I feel, I, I agree. I think when she shot him down so quickly, I think it surprised him. Um, because I think his intention was not talking immediately, but more longer term. And, you know, and that's why he's probing her a little bit. And, you know, he, now he's coming to the, the root of it, or at least a part of the root, which is Sharon. <laughs> And Julia proceeded to tell him that she was just not a good role model as a mother. Mm -hmm. Gabriel quickly kissed her and told her that she would be an excellent mother because she is loving, kind, and patient. Julia said she would not know what to do, you know, and I think this, you know, again, feeds into her anxiety. She just does mm -hmm. not think she's mm -hmm. capable, uh, knowledgeable enough. You know, mm -hmm. this goes into Julia being this high-performance uh, person in academia, and I think she's expecting high-performance in every aspect of her life. And Gabriel assured her, saying they would figure it out together. You know, he's he then admitted he was worried about his own biological parents, and they were models for dysfunction, he said. Um, so, you know, looking into the chat... Um, Kenzie says, um, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, Michelle was saying, she seemed distrustful of his promise of waiting. And uh, he reminded her of that promise. And Anna said, I agree, this was such a major step ahead for him. And he would feel unworthy uh, about this. Floor noted that when they were in Belize, she expresses that she does not want a child with him or that she does want a child with him, but she was unsure if they would ever get to a point where they were both healthy enough emotionally to welcome a child in their home, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be their own or through adoption. So I both see. of them have a lot of fears because of their yeah. own upbringing. And, you know, even it goes in, SR continues writing, mm -hmm. you know, he said, look, Gabriel said that he himself had not led a sterling life. And now it was Julia's turn to assure Gabriel. She, mm -hmm. she had seen him with Tammy's little boy. And she said, look, even your brother said so. She also told him it was just too soon to have a baby. They had been married six months. She wanted to finish her PhD. And Gabriel reminded her that he had agreed to that. So I, I think Gabriel is very mindful that yeah. he, he was not... He, I think Gabriel's also careful that he doesn't want her to feel pressured. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree with that statement or not, but I think yeah. he was very mindful. He knew the pressures of a doctoral program. Right. I think he wanted her to feel confident that he is promising not to push her. But then reading on, it makes sense because he felt it might be a good start to having the conversation with mm -hmm. his doctor because he didn't know what the possibilities were. He didn't yes. know if the reversal would be possible. Mm -hmm. And Julia reminded him that there is more than one way to have a family. 
they could adopt when the time is right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. And that's very true. I mean, you know, he does want to have a child with her and and she wants to have a child with him. But they're willing to compromise as to what, however that child comes, whether it be through adoption, surrogacy, um, you know, any, anything in, in that realm. Mm-hmm. That, but it's got to be on their terms. It's got to be when, when the timing is better. Right. Well, yes. when Shell, Shell said that when she read mm-hmm. this, she felt that Julia was being mean about mm-hmm. not discussing their future. Mm-hmm. And oh, I think did anyone she, else feel that way? No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think she was just voicing how how much she was not able to control her future. Like she mm-hmm. can't really control how everyone else is going to perceive her paper. That she's going to have a you know easy ride in Harvard, and everything's going to be you know a peaceful and pleasant experience she can't control that she can only do so much hard work and and hope for the best and i think that fact that now he wants to have a baby it's something else that now she won't be able to control and that maybe makes her panic a little because now it's like oh god now something else is being taken away from me my ability to choose for myself because he wants this and i love him and I'm willing to sacrifice my dreams to make him happy, but I don't want to do that for myself, not right now. And I don't know how to tell him I don't want to do that right now without him thinking that I don't care for him or that I am taking into consideration his dreams. But yeah, I just feel like maybe she's just so afraid of letting him down that she wants to keep it all to herself, but she's not ready. I, I I don't know. I think it's a little. I don't know. I I am not agreed um, <laughs> with Betty, um, <laughs> but you know because I I think that he was just mentioning it like like he was expressing a desire, something that he wanted to do. <laughs> it's not something like a yes. I want a baby now. No, mm-hmm. it's not. It's, I, I, I feel I, that. I, I, I agree. I, Yes, I didn't see it like that. It's like he was expressing that he wants to to a fa- he wants a family, mm-hmm. and 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 he has a condition that he has to take care about. So he have to do something to actually have a children. Okay. Yeah. So, but I but I I don't think I mean I mean I think Julia was panicked because she's under stress right now because of the dissertation or something like that. But I don't I don't see it like oh my god I I I'm going to to sacrifice my career for that. No, I don't I don't see it like that. So I, I, deep 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 down, I think. Um, Julia's reaction is a little bit selfish right now. But isn't it like Serena Williams? I think like she's she scared. wants to have a family, so she has to give up her career in order to pursue having a family. Because it's not like she can tell her husband, I want to have a baby. And he goes like, well, that's great. I'm going to have the baby and you continue your career. Like, that's not how it works. Women are the ones who carry the baby in their womb mm-hmm. if they want to have a biological child so 
even though Gabriel's like, well, no, you know, it wouldn't affect your career and blah, blah, blah. But she would still have to give up something if she wants to have a baby with him, a biological baby. Mm. Because her body physically would have to be the one. Yeah, you're, you're carrying that child for nine months. Yeah. You're the one that's delivering that child. You're the one that's nursing that child. And, it, you know, I, I mean, I know that my, my niece, uh, Mara, uh, she has her PhD. She, her dissertation was on a, a plant that was at the headwaters of the Mississippi River. And she had to defend that dissertation for her PhD and you know so I mean that was a lot for her there was a lot of pressure on her to do that so I can mm. I can imagine that Julia's now she's got all this pressure of um, you know I've got this this paper that they want to want me to present in Oxford and mm. uh, I you know I've, I've got the PhD program to do and I've only done a year and I've got this much to do, and you want to have a baby right now? You know, I, I think this also <laughs> reflects her age. I think this re- reflects her age and, and experience too, and her lack of confidence. It does, mm-hmm. it does. But I think, but I think her insecurities as to where her where her life is going. I mean, when I was twenty seven, I was pretty settled as to where I was going. So I knew at twenty seven, I was fine having a baby. Mm-hmm. If I if I had been 22, and all this had presented itself, I think it would have been a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know, looking at the chat, you know, um, Kenzie had um, mentioned when you're raised by parents like they were, it causes doubt that you won't mm-hmm. be a good parent either. Shell mentioned that there really is no harm in discussing the concept, mm-hmm. and Anna said Julianne withdraws when something needs to be discussed, which is true, and she said. Look, if something went wrong that she lost that PhD program, their relationship would not survive. He'd spend the rest of his life trying to make amends, and she would not truly be able to forgive him. And then Kenzie said the whole child discussion caused anxiety for her, and she's still in her early 20s and still is a student, so I understand that completely. I do think she could have been a bit uh, sensitive, um, but that's why I like SR's characters. They're so realistic. And I know Diana had um, oh, a yes. comment that mm-hmm. she wanted you to translate, Perling. Yes, Diana uh, told me that, well, told us in the chat room that she was very surprised that Gabriel wanted to have children. And, and, and she was surprised that Julia uh, didn't want to do that. And um, she thought that these kind of conversations between them would happen uh, uh, in the other, no, otherwise, maybe. And yes. when Julia was mm-hmm. trying to convince Gabriel to have a, a family uh, in, in one, in some point in, in their life. Yes. So for me, I, I want to say something about Diana's um, opinion. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I thought the same. I, I thought that maybe Gabriel will be scared about having uh, children uh, at some point. And honestly, I, I, I was mad with Julia uh, during the book, this book, 
about mm -hmm. that because she refused, um, uh, not she refused, she had a, a negative <laughs> um, energy <laughs> about this topic because mm -hmm. for me, Gabriel was suggesting something in the future and she was taking it like noise now. And, and knowing Gabriel, we all know that he will he will he will do anything for her and her career. So he he's not going to pressure her for for to have to have a, a family soon. So, but the reality is that he has to to get an operation or get the the, the vasectomy reversed. So he has to take care about it, and for that they have to discuss this kind of things and it's not because i want to have a children now so that that is my opinion and i i agree with diana um uh, with with her opinion too yeah i sure. i do as well in terms of the the surprise about julia she, she's projecting Ju Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's understandable, though. I mean, I can understand why she said it. I just think, you know, I think she's in the midst of a lot of things. And when you are in the midst of so many pressures, I think that overwhelms you and you kind of get lost in that. Um, and, you know, she probably forgot or not forgot, but just is not focusing on the fact that she really she was the one who was reassuring Gabriel about having the family. Mm -hmm. So now he's finally coming around to the idea and because she loves her so much and he's giving her, she's given him so much happiness with her and that they are hopeful to have a future together, you know? So I think it's, it's that give and take, um, quite a bit. So I think it was the wrong time to bring it up. Yeah. She was yeah. already a lot of stress maybe if he had done this like once she finished writing her dissertation her presentation and she's like okay I, I I got this out of my list I can focus on something else what do you want to you know what talk about and then he brings it up she'll be like okay maybe I can see it possible but right now she's just like overwhelmed with everything that I feel like this was like the last thing she ever wanted to hear from him mm-hmm well, and yeah, and I, and I think it's also the conversations that you have usually before you get married. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I mean, I, I, most of my, most of my family and friends who've talked about when they get married and, well, do you want to have children? Yes, you want to have children. How many children? You know, I think that's all part of what, and I, and I, they've had that conversation, but now it's become, well, you know, I'd really like to do this. And mm -hmm. I know I've got to do what i got to do to, to have that happen. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think that's where the, I, I, that part of the communication is what, what you know, kind is missing. Right. You know, cause, because let's face it, Gabriel and, and, and she were not always 100% on the communication tape. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what Shell, Shell made a great point. She said, Look, Julia begged Gabriel repeatedly to communicate. Mm -hmm. And when he does communicate with her, she freaked out. Um, mm -hmm. Kenzie yeah. said, I agree, that was annoying. She said, trust mm -hmm. me, I understand. Shell said, trust me, I understand anxiety, but dot, dot, dot. And 
you know. But, I don't, but did they ever really, dis- I don't remember them discussing in Rapture at all about the fact that they had this, of, of what they wanted with children and how they wanted to deal with that. I mean, I we knew, we knew. We did after the orphanage, uh, looking we, back on that discussion. We, yeah, we but knew it, that they didn't get into specifics. He, no, but we knew that, you know, he had the vasectomy and he wouldn't be able to have children. And while, well, you know, maybe children somewhere in the future. But I don't think it was ever really, I think it was, it was more broad than not. Mm-hmm. But no, it was discussed because they did have that discussion about not until after the doctoral program. Well, I not know, until again, after she but finishes again, it. Was more broad mm-hmm. than not because you know mm-hmm. it's like had... in six years or in eight years we're going to do this. It's just like in the future, but that could be any time in the future. <laughs> well, Those, as Shell said, uh, someone once said, and I think it was John Lennon who once said, "Life happens while you're making plans." Mm-hmm. And I think that's yeah. a that's a great you know observation. And, and, and Kenzie also pointed out they both prayed for a child at the wedding. Yeah, true. And um, you know, Anna made the note that look, the presentation's one thing. Her her doctorate's seven years, and she said, truth be told, her career's jump started because of Gabriel. Catherine may not have even noticed her had it not been for Gabriel needing to Catherine to grade her. Uh, Julia's work so mm-hmm. there you know and and that point about it not just being the presentation but her whole her whole doctoral journey is a big mm-hmm. one um, so and, and you know I'm just gonna I'm just saying uh, from what my niece went through and my niece got married right at the beginning of her doctoral program mm-hmm. now she never had any children but not because of her doctoral program for other reasons mm-hmm. but it's still a, you know, it was a decision that she and, and her and Paul had to make. And I knew that it was not an easy decision for either one of them to decide. And, and but they did. Mm-hmm. And that's a big, that's a big step. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Well, and Anna um, noted that, you know, in terms of the planning, she said she actually knew Alan had a vasectomy and we together planned for the reversal and researched adoption before we even married. I don't know if the real world uh, would have, or I don't know if they would have gone forward if that hadn't been resolved, if the relationship would have gone forward if that hadn't been resolved. Well, yeah, I mean, having these discussions ahead of time is important. Floor noted, I, uh, that she agreed that there was a lot of give and take, but the difference between them is that he's already established in his career. She's still trying to complete hers mm-hmm. yes, with no distraction or anything to keep her off the path of finishing. I think it was just all overwhelming for her to think of family so soon. And Black Lab Lady said, and he brought it up at Rachel's wedding when he talked about the orphanage and her making babies with beautiful brown eyes and pink cheeks. So, but well, I don't think they've had it. They had a very detailed discussion of it because I, I think the thought of it is stressing Julia out. And you know, and you know what? For somebody who was only met Mary and met, met and married their husband within three, three and a half, four weeks, we had that discussion, which yeah. is weird. But not. 
not no i mean we discussed <laughs> we, okay. I, I mean I we discussed we discussed adoption we discussed adoption and and because jim wasn't sure how things were going to work and and i was you know i was like you know naive and 27 and like oh yes okay fine we discussed adoption we discussed everything possible but you know it was a discussion mm -hmm. we had within the, that month Wow. So, mm -hmm. Okay, it's scary, right? <laughs> um, in many no, ways. If you know, ways. you know. Maybe I'm a bit crazy, <laughs> but when I was thinking about the baby and like the pregnancy, I kept thinking, you know, not all pregnancies are smooth sailing. Sometimes no, there's not. complications and, you know, Gabriel, I think, is being naive in that perspective that he thinks she's, well, she's young, she's healthy. It will be like a smooth, simple pregnancy, kind of like forgetting about what Paulina went through with her pregnancy and her difficulties. And I mean, I just I keep thinking, like, what if she had health problems and now she has to stay in rest, you know, in bed? until she delivers a baby or if there's complications and something happens mm -hmm. I mean that, that would really suck for Julia because her life is now going to depend on how the pregnancy goes whether she can continue studying and going to classes and doing her work or whether she has to be in bed rest and you know something else happens so i i just kept thinking like this is i understand why she would panic about it even if it's in the future it would still affect her more than it would affect gabriel mm. <laughs> true well, and i know I, I you know there's a lot of things anna's pointed out that um well she didn't stay for a phd her second master's was done while working full-time completing internships her husband was ill, three children, and breast cancer. Family and friends support. And that's how she got her second master's. And mm. that's that's truly incredible. And God bless you and, for that. And she's getting lots of props in the chat room for that. Mm -hmm. I would say the difference in this scenario is that Julia is young and you had already had more established confidence, I would think, at that point. Um, then Julia's inexperience and her doubts. Um, and it says, maybe I'm harsh with Julianne, but I'm not her fan right now. Okay. I, I can understand that. Yes. Um, totally. saying you can study on bed rest. True. Yeah. You look, you can do things when you have, to, <laughs> when you are forced to do things. When, when life happens as you're making plans, yes. as Shell <laughs> noted earlier, you do what you got to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. like Nike, just do it. Anna, a hundred percent. That's how I've rolled the entire time. You know, I, I wasn't uh, Julia's fan uh, during the book. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I was like, uh, every time that he talked to him, to her about it, uh, and, and her reaction was the same. And I said, oh, you know, I a different opinion i was like i'm not a fan of gabriel and this is what julia should have stayed with paul oh my god i know it's funny now as we wrap the chapter um you know anna's noting yeah 
Yeah, I mean, she grew up in a totally different family environment, and obviously that would make a huge difference. I mean, Julia's kind of <sighs> floundering. Julia's family was horrible. Not, yeah. Lack of. <laughs> Kenzie, Kenzie's saying, I just need some bed rest. You are hilarious, Kenzie. Well, it is, too, um, but that's another story. Well, that's another story for another day. Yeah. You've got to just roll with it what you can. Exactly. And look, Shell's saying if she doesn't want to get pregnant, she should just say no. And that's communication again. And there's this, um, there, there's mm-hmm. this wonderful little um, invention called the pill. Yes, there's a lot but, of ways. But, but it, let's say Julia says, I don't want to have a baby right now. And Gabriel gets a vasectomy. And she doesn't tell him she's taking <laughs> the pill. How do you think he would react to that? Well, if she's not telling him, uh, then she's being dishonest. And that's mm-hmm. not good for their relationship, period. Well, that's just my and- opinion. I think, I think it just goes to that. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing now because things have turned to Paul, <laughs> and I said Paul would have had her milking cows on the farm, <laughs> and with onesie for the baby, or Paul milking his cow in his cow onesie. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as as the book as the chapter finishes, you know, Gabriel told her. You know, Julie's reminding him there's more than one way to have a family. If the reversal doesn't work, they could adopt when the time is right. And he said, well, I intend to take her to Umbria, to take you to Umbria after the conference, but before the exhibition. And then when they returned from the conference, he intended to see his doctor. And Julie agreed with that. Yeah, because Gabriel you don't know pulled how- her on top of him. And... He said to her, when you are ready, we should start trying. Mm-hmm. And Julia agreed, but reminded him that should be, they should be practicing a lot in preparation. Oh, practice makes so, perfect. <laughs> Gabriel agreed wholeheartedly. Yes. With empty blanks, yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 it reminds me of my friend Mike Dolan when I, fat, when I told Mike that there was a guy that I worked with. We were very good friends. And I and I remember telling him that I was pregnant. And he said, you know, you could have watched Johnny Carson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you, you could have well, watched I, late night TV. <laughs> <laughs> I got the comment, you're pregnant already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and, got that one too. But and, that's another uh, story. My uncle said, "Well, it only takes once." <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, takes you know, one of those again, little squigglies to get into the egg, and then you're done. Again, you got to just roll with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and Kenzie I, is looking saying, here. Yeah, I was going to say. She thinks it's the I don't one think thing they're doing something like that to each other because it was deception. Anna said yes, in terms of the situation we talked about earlier. And mm-hmm. Elena said she's not a good liar, as we know. So I don't think she could keep on being keep being on the pill from Gabriel. Yeah, that would just be disastrous. Yeah, and, no, she would never. They, that's not they her aren't character. like uh, CFP deceitful. Mm hmm. Um, Kenzie said, I do think the, I think the one thing that annoyed me about Julianne and redemption is she didn't communicate with Gabriel and was kind of harsh on him, 
Mm-hmm. And I think she forgot how much Gabriel gave up for her. At least mm-hmm. that is how I felt. I agree. And Shell said, I agree, Kenzie. She started acting as if he were the enemy. And I think that's what it's going to be interesting as we discuss this book. And, Further. you know, we, we kind of see how these scenarios play out. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does, though, I think go to the discussion about some of this being very realistic in kind of terms of how they are maneuvering and navigating it. And I think we'll have a lot more to talk about. I think if Gabriel wanted to experience having a family, maybe he should have gotten (laughs) the dog to experience responsibility and just just to keep him entertained. I can totally I think Gabriel really just wanted to have that knowledge that he can start talking to the doctor about it because Mm -hmm. I think he thinks this is going to be a really long road. Um, Considering, and I think he wanted to get things lined up for when Julia is ready. That's how I took it. And considering the fact that you know it it was after Maya that he had that vasectomy, right? And they 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 were still in their separation phase. So he, you know, there's so much scar tissue that builds up. I'm sure that there was a there was a a large issue with that. You know, and I as as and and as far as the child goes, and having a child, I can honestly say, when I was forty five, I went through baby fever, like Jim. Poor God bless him, he was so good. But you know, how often can you attack a man? And I want it, you know, it was like, you know, I'm 45 years old. I want a baby. I want another baby. Got to have another baby. Because I only had Patrick. And I'd had a miscarriage after him. And so we, we, Patrick was old enough where we decided, well, you know, it's a good time to get a dog for the family. Not that, (laughs) not that Patrick was ever going to walk the dog or be the mm-hmm. one that was be responsible for the dog like you hope any child would be when they come and do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got, we, we got this beautiful little yellow lab that was the sweetest thing in the world. And within uh, two weeks of having her in my home, the baby fever went away because when you have to take a little eight-week-old puppy out to pee in the middle of the night because they're barking so loud. Mm-hmm. You learn that, you know, being up at two in the morning and five in the morning and whatever time for feedings, mm-hmm. and you're 45, you're tired. <laughs> you know what right. It, right. It, it made a big difference, so. See, I, I think Gabriel was just bored at, the, you know, at Boston University and teaching religion. He was like, I need something else, something to challenge me. A baby. <laughs> I think he just needed a dog or a cat, like a pet, something. I I think he, you know, as, as Kenzie, Kenzie actually said, I had suggested the Embersons getting a dog. I could see him doing that. But I think, again, I I just think it stems back to that, you know, that foundational type of hope that he has with her and that he wants to, you know, he wants to have a family with her. I mean, things he never thought would be possible. He wants to 
be able to do. And that's, so. that's very true. You, you, you know, I think because of both of them in, in their own way, even in the back of their heads, not necessarily right up front thinking, you know, the fact that, you know, Sharon was such a miserable mother and Tom was distant and both in, in mileage and, and, and what was going on and, and Gabriel, the fact that his, uh, you know, his, his biological mother passes away and his, his biological father is not even around anymore. And then he find then Grace finds him and brings mm-hmm. him into her family. And, and, and that starts it for her. I think that, he's thinking that maybe we're both not really great being parents, but we should try, mm-hmm. you know? And I, th- I think that's a big part of it. I, I mean, I also think there's some people who just know they shouldn't have babies or shouldn't be parents. And that's my niece, Mara. And she's very and smart at that. Society, like people just don't want to accept that. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're too young. You just, you're not in love. You don't, you're not there yet. But once you have a baby and it's like, I'm telling you because I know myself. I know how I think. I know my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I know what I want out of life. And that is not a goal for me. That is not something I envision myself doing, having, experiencing. And I think that should be respected. And when people still go like, but you don't know what you're talking about. I know you have to listen to me that it's like, why is your opinion more? Why does it have more value than what I'm telling you? If I'm the one who's going to live this life and I can't picture it, I don't want it. So Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of what we're going through in some way. Like right now, Julia's like, I would like it someday, but I don't want it right now. And telling him that, because maybe in some way she knows that he's not going to take it lightly or he's going to feel scared of it. She's scared of it because of Sharon. It's been terrible with Mm. her, her childhood. But I just, I feel like sometimes it's hard to get people to understand, to hear you and understand you and be like, Okay, I won't push my agenda on you. I will let you do you. Well, and listen, I, as Shell <laughs> says, people shouldn't pressure anyone to have children. My my friend Marlene and you know Phil's niece that I visit all the time, and I'll be there tomorrow for Rosh Hashanah. She's awful. She has a granddaughter who is, I think, she's turning forty this year. And she's like, oh, oh, she should have a child. She should have a baby. She would be such a beautiful mother. And I know her husband wants one so badly. And, I, and I'm and i like, Marlene, her, her Samantha turns around and says, I don't want babies. I don't want a baby. Mm-hmm. And Charlene says, or Marlene says, but, but you would be such a beautiful mother. I'm like, Marlene, don't force her to have a baby. The pressure you and your daughter, Lisa, are putting on her is not fair. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's got to decide for herself when she wants to have a baby. She had a father that couldn't care less about her and told her as much verbally Mm -hmm. later in life. And, 
you know, you, your husband and 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 your your son-in-law's reaction to her were not something that she should have to deal with. And she just doesn't want a baby. Then don't force her into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, but she's been such a beautiful. I said that's not the point. She's got to want it, and she's got to be available for it. And if she's not available for it, and she doesn't want to do it, then don't force her into it. It's only going to perpetuate it. I get so mad at that. I get so I get so mad at people forcing their. I want a grandchild. I want a great grandchild. No, I, you I need to that. give people the space. That. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I, I think that's giving giving them the space is what Gabriel had promised it's, it's her. Trying, and I yeah. think he's trying to do that to her. Um, so I, I think that's, you know, I think that's a really important point. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Shell's saying that she understands how Julia forgave Tom. She doesn't understand how Julia forgave Tom so easily, especially since he is now more focused on his new family. And uh, I think I think that's um, I think that that's something that Tom and she have have worked out, but it was just not in. Well, actually, at this point in the book, she hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, she had, his fan, his new family hasn't happened yet. No. So, and that will come about. I think their yes. reconciliation on that fact will come along. And I think the reconciliation around Simon and right. then how yes. Gabriel treated, you know, I think that, I think that was, uh, I think that's something that was uh, a longer curve. And I don't know, I mean, SR did write and reflect that, but I don't know if he reflected it as deeply um, as he could have. That's a good possibility. Yeah. Well, ladies, Mm -hmm. we are now at the two and a half hour mark. (laughs) (laughs) We only have 30 minutes more recording. It's so funny because the prologue was was so, so short. (laughs) <laughs> and chapter one was so, so long. And we were like, oh, should we just do the prologue? Should we just do chapter one? So we combined it together. And I knew the discussion would be as fantastic as it was. Um, I cannot believe it, but I do know we probably should be winding down. We should be. And we should be talking uh, and con- looking forward to Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about chapter two, mm-hmm. then in gonna, as long as it's <laughs> it won't be. No, no, no. Oh, we man, have a man. lot of opinions. There's a lot of things, you know. I think Kenzie made a good note here. I feel it's a bigger discussion around how so many people think there is a certain way to live, which is getting an education, having a career, and then having a child. And when you don't, there's judgment from society. We're still in the midst of breaking that mold. Yes, and I think we that are. is the right yes, context yes, we are. around there. As Shell noted, there was a lot to unpack. Yes. <laughs> and uh, there definitely was. Thank you yeah. for the kind words. Yes, and Walter Boo Boo is excited too. Yes, he is. Said. He's happy to have 
Curly <laughs> Betty on the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yes, he was. Walter Boo Boo, everybody loved you. Except yeah. for Kenzie. <laughs> so much fun. Yes. So much fun. This was so great, guys. So Thank we you. Do, yes, we will be back on Saturday at our normal time. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, Walter will be wherever Walter will be. Although we do have pumpkin in the mix right now. So that's a good thing. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always. And Kenzie, he loves Always. you. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I'm so sorry. many of you could join us. Um, this was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, as always, Betty and Perling bring the party, the fun, and the <laughs> new perspectives. So I love Thank you. that. It's always like, it's yeah. fun to World War Three on a Sunday evening. Yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, well, God you forbid know, we should have World War Three you know, anytime soon. You, you made me uh, remember um, Betty's and, and opinions at this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's funny because... This was our time. <laughs> exactly. And it's funny so because I, was, I always think hearing you, Perling, I always think, I, because I, I remember Betty and Perling going back and forth. And we will definitely, you know, you guys are always welcome to be on. And I just remember, I, I sided more on Perling's side <laughs> of interpretation. Yeah, I tend yeah. to agree with your interpretation, uh, align yeah. with that a little more. Which is so yeah. funny. I, I felt nostalgic. I love it because we always have different points of view. We see yes. stories. Please, mm-hmm. it's always like, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little, but. <laughs> no, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I just think yeah, it's interesting how we have different, yes. different viewpoints. Just opinions. Opinions. Yeah. <laughs> with a lot of love and respect. Yes, of course. Always. And and in the in the relationship to the prologue, I think we're gonna be leaving us this evening with Dante's prayer by Lorena McKenna. And if you've never oh, seen her beautiful. in concert, if she ever comes around, please try to because she's beautiful. So have a good night, everybody. We'll see you Saturday. Same same time. And it will be a great time. And happy autumn. Happy uh, spring. And mm-hmm. a uh, Lashana Tova. While my dark night seems endless, please remember me. Please remember Please remember. Please remember. Please remember.